Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Christagenia Internet Radio. This evening, Friday, November 12, 2021, we are doing an open forum, and the link to the open forum, if you choose to actually participate rather than just listen, is under the text on the Announcement for this program on the front page of Christagenia, where it says Christagenia Ecclesia Video Conferencing Server. If you do not want to have your picture online here, you should mute your camera or, or put a piece of tape on it or something. Thank you for listening, and praise Yahweh. There's plenty of people here. I'm glad to see you all turn out. And how y'all doing? What you, this is an open forum. If y'all don't talk, we really don't have anything to talk about. So good evening. Drowdy, I see you there. I'll pick on you. Raise your hand or unmute yourself. I don't think I have to mute myself unless hey, I have um, unless I have feedback. People here can unmute themselves. There's a little button down the bottom, Jordy. It'll be a little microphone. All right, who has a question? Maybe Zeth can unmute Drowdy. Okay, I guess some people are still learning the interface. The the moderator is Zethiel, and he yeah. will mute everybody, especially if there's feedback. If you want to speak, there's a button at the bottom. When you move your mouse toward the bottom of the screen, you could click on the microphone button and unmute yourself. Can you hear me now? Hey, what's up, David? There you go. Hey, hell Christ, bro. Hell Christ. How you been? Hell Christ. I see you have the whole family with you there. Oh, I'm kicking, man. Yes, sir. Hello, Christine. I'm not there. I'm on Evan. I'm on I'm, the road. But. I'm trying to remember your daughter's name. I'm sorry. Mabel. Mabel. How could I forget? I've seen it on Facebook. Christine. Hello, unmute. Mabel. Unmute yourself. Get down to the bottom of the screen there. Come here, Kevin. Okay. Now we're all here. <laughs> <laughs> How y'all doing? Your son's there too, and I feel bad I can't remember his name either because I've seen it on Facebook like a thousand times. <laughs> I'm so bad we have with Evan, Evan, Mabel. I remember Evan, Evan. and I'm Christine. <laughs> I remember your name. Welcome to Christagenia. Welcome to the chat. Thank you. Thank you for having us. What's up, Dave? What are you doing you on doing, the road? Joe? Are you on the road? You got uh, a question, Jody? Yeah, I'm on the road, man. Same old shit. I was just saying hello to Joe. How's it going, man? I like your Pretty flag, good. of course. You Thank know, you, a bro. funny thing. You know, a funny thing about that flag is the Australian SAS, which is a special forces unit, used that flag and had Southern Pride written on the Confederate flag because we're we're all Southerners. <laughs> right. So we use the same flag, and they got busted for it, and the government was outraged. Like, why is the SAS using the Confederate flag? Wow. They used the That's... Nazi flag, too, just so you know. Yeah, I've seen that one. 
that, that's, but, that's not surprising. Yeah. I think it, it was while they were in Afghanistan. So they were flying the Nazi flag and doing their patrols, the Australian SAS. So I'm pretty proud of them doing that. Yeah, they, they, they had the, uh, the cracker bolts, right? The SS. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Glad to be well, here, y'all. What, what we're learning from the Charlottesville trial, the Charlottesville Unite the Right civil lawsuit trial has been going on for over two weeks now. And I've listened to most of it. And it's awfully pitiful that so many men could fly national socialist flags or Nazi flags and, and Confederate flags. And then when they're actually called into court and what they believe is being exposed or called into question and they have to sit there and face the devil, face these Jew lawyers and admit things that they've said in their past that they've been embarrassed to do it. They've been embarrassed, they've shrunk, that they've cowered in front of these Jews. It's pitiful. And and that's Matthew Heimbach, Matthew Parrott, Richard Spencer even, and, and a whole long list of them. There's a few who have stood strong, especially Michael Hill and Michael Tubbs. And there's one or two alt-right figures um, that I'm not the, the guy that was running National Vanguard, perhaps, Rousseau, who stood strong and stood behind their words, but most of them are just punks. That they claim that they didn't mean it, that they were only making jokes, that, that if you can't stand by your words, just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> it, it's really a disgrace, I think, exactly. a lot of them, their testimony. We always knew they would surrender to the world, didn't we, Bill? Because they'd already surrendered on evolution. They'd already surrendered on, oh, non-whites can have their own countries. We just want our countries too, boo-hoo. You know, so they'd already surrendered to the world. They were already cowards. We knew it anyways. We don't need them, Bill. Right, and admitting Jews under their fold. Yeah, definitely. And I'm pretty sure... Spencer is a Jew, and he's gay. You know, isn't he a Jew, Spencer? Like that family tree video that came out and it traced Spencer back to some Jews. You know, I'm not going to say it definitively, but I think he might be a Jew, Spencer. Well, I've heard that rumor. I've, I've heard that rumor he's like one-eighth Jew. I, I know he's got to be a faggot. He, he worked with Jack Donovan for seven years, and Jack Donovan is an open flamer who brags about having sex with men as the dominant partner. Well, y'all remember my nickname for Richard Spencer, Dick Jacket. Spencer is a small little girly jacket, and Richard is Dick, so he's a Dick Jacket. Yeah, that's pretty funny. (laughs) That's fitting, too. Yeah, that's a good, yeah. (laughs) And his wife was like some sort of mixed race thing who was a communist. Remember that? She was like some sort of communist mixed race, and she said she's better than white people because she's mixed. Right. I think he tried to get married for a show, and he couldn't even do trials, it. You know, <laughs> when um, when Hitler was put on trial, you know, he didn't back down, 
and uh, that emboldened the people and he stood for what he believed in and he knew the consequences and you got to follow through. And his right-hand man stood in front of him and said, you know, we're all going to sit on the judgment seat of Christ. You know, he's not ashamed for anything he did and he's not going to repent. And then they killed him when he was like 80 years old. Yeah, he was that the one who was captured? Yeah, Hess, at the Nuremberg yeah. Trials. Yeah. Good. Yeah, but those men, they're certainly not like Hess at all, are they? Benson, the cowards. The alt-riders, that's who they were, the alt-riders. Even the um, Saddam Hussein, you know, when he was hung, you know, stood up and didn't request any... I think it was a blindfold, didn't request a blindfold or something like that, but uh, didn't request, you know, that's the last thing you remembered for. Well, we all know... If you live or die, it's how you live or die. We all know that they have no foundation, and and I've always known that a lot of them had, really had no solid principles, because, like Joe said, they, they give in to these worldly paradigms, that these false religions of evolution and things like that. So we know that they have no gumption, no backbone, because they don't stand for anything firmly. They're standing on forever shifting sand. It really came out during this trial. I, I mean, the, the plaintiffs have not proved a conspiracy. It, it's ridiculous that the plaintiffs are... Betting, I really believe that they're betting on the fact that the jury is going to hate these for their terrible beliefs, right? They're Nazis and they're this and that. But it, it's evident that when everything you say in the past, you try to dismiss as a joke or you were just mean or you really didn't mean it, that then how could you stand for anything? And... The plaintiffs are, are banking on that, I believe, because they haven't proven a conspiracy. They can't prove that there's an actual conspiracy to commit violence in Charlottesville. It, it's really like the, the whole, whole purpose of everyone going there. Go ahead, Rowley. Yeah, it's a sham. And it's, it's weird that this case is not being televised or really reported on the Rittenhouse or the... Uh, uh, what's the other one? There, there's like three self-defense trials going on. The, right the, the armed robbery. Uh, armed robbery, I think his name is. Right, right. Armad like, um, Arbery. It, it make, <laughs> armed robbery. Yeah, the jogger. <laughs> I haven't heard a whole lot about that. I mean, the Rittenhouse case has been on YouTube and everything. It, it's federal court rules. At the beginning of each session of this federal court case, each morning, the judge explains that even though people can call in to the program and listen, that it's they're prohibited from recording it or from using cameras in a courtroom or anything like that. So oh, the Charlottesville case? Yes. Wow. They're they're obviously trying to hide something. Well, nothing's gonna be hid in the end. It's all going to be manifest. I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't um, worry about that. It's been interesting, though. Christ was subject, you know, like Christ was subject to the judgment of men, 
and in the end, he judges men. So we can see it's it's another part of the biblical story where we see that the judgment of men and the governments of men are unrighteous and we're subject to them for our sin, but God is ultimately righteous and fair in judgment. And so this court case bears that out. All right. court cases like that because um, these these judges that are sitting up there, they can't even follow their own laws properly. They can't even be loyal to their own country properly. You know, so they're, they're hypocrites, just like Christ exposed the Pharisees of his own time who were doing all they did in fear of the Jews. That's the same thing today. Like, we've got these men who should be loyal to us and their nation doing things for fear of the Jews because the Jews, the serpent, has so much power in the world. But in the end, like we said, you know, Christ will judge men righteously. And under his law, he will determine who lives and who dies. And a lot of these Jews, they're not going to escape. They're not going to live. Right. They may have power over your temporal life, but in the end, it's nothing. It's it's an illusion. It's not permanent. It's temporary. It doesn't really matter. Absolutely. Well, i got a question, Bill, if, if you're ready for it. Sure. Why not? I've got a few, actually. But do I, <laughs> can I put a question to you, Bill? Of course you can. You're muted. You're muted, Bill. Okay. That happens to me all the time in these forums. Hunter has me all sensitive about feedback. <laughs> um. Yeah, of course you can. Okay, so I noticed that um, in Josephus, I think it is, it says um, there's a sign on the temple that says foreigners will be killed. You know, like if they enter the temple, the foreigners will be put to death, and it's their own fault. And that's but why Paul that was arrested. time is the time. I'm sorry. That was the charge the Judeans had against Paul. But, well, they accused him of bringing Greeks into the temple. Well, they claim that... Uh, I don't know if he was guilty of that. I don't think he did actually do that. Gotcha. It don't matter if he did it or not. They they accused him of it. It's one of the things they accused okay, him of. Okay, yeah, I see. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And as soon as he said he's bringing the message to other nations, they just went... They just chimped out because they were Jews. But, um... So they've got this sign on the temple that says foreigners will die. And at that same time, the high priest is bringing Edomites and Canaanites into the temple, into the religion. So you'd think if they have this sign that says foreigners will die, they would have realized that they can't convert these Edomites and Canaanites, but they did. I'm sorry, Joe, I'm missing the question part. Okay, so the question is how, so, how did, well, how did they get, how did they actually do that? Because in Josephus, at one, at the same time as you have the high priest convert making Edomite converts, right? Yes. They've also got this sign on the temple that says foreigners will die. And I don't understand how they could do that then, you know, because I'm not, I'm not very big on history. I don't understand how that could because happen once- if they sign the temple. Because according to their baptism and and 
Clifton quoted this from Lightfoot's commentary, for what that's worth. I understand that that's much later. But according to their baptism, and this is even implied in the making of converts in the New Testament that's condemned by Christ, as soon as they baptize you and circumcise you, or I don't remember what order they did it in, that then you're a Jew. So you're okay. You're one of the tribe. You're in the gang. Even though you're twice the children of hell. Yeah, of course. But yeah, they believe that they could actually transform you in in their circumcision and baptism ritual. So that's why it says, like, if they accepted the circumcision, they would become none other than Jews. It's it just it's just kind of like the Catholic Church today, you know, sort of like you become spiritual Israel or something, and it right. And and Joseph admitted that suppose of, of the conversion of the, of the Edomites of Dora and Marisa, that they were none other than Jews, even though Josephus had mentioned, and, and I forget the exact context, but somebody had disherited as being only half a Jew because born a, of, of, an, of Israel, right? He was an Edomite. So he was called half a Jew for that. I forget who Josephus described as having called him that. But Josephus wrote it, so he knew the possibility, but he accepted Herod as a as a Judean, as a Jew, as we use the term, he accepted them. So so Josephus, being a Pharisee, he had no problem accepting converts of other races or nations. So the sign, even though it used the word that meant foreigners and and as far as i remember from from seeing the the sign because it was discovered in archaeology that sign a copy of that sign has been dug out of the ground and i'm pretty sure it used the word alotrius which means somebody of another tribe but once you undergo their ritual you're in baby yet you're one of them and and that's how they you were treated so they're hypocrites. We can't expect them to actually be judging by the law after they took all these Edomites into the fold. After the time of John Hyrcanus, it was over. Nehemiah and Ezra were out the window and politics were in. Well, whenever I've tried to imagine what that ancient temple would be like, I always try and like imagine how the Catholic Church is today, like how the people would think then with this spirit. They must have had something very similar to spiritual Israel. And then Christ comes along and he resets it all and set and reset defines it according to racial lines again. That's like where he's speaking at John chapter eight where he's saying being born from above and he's talking about your father Abraham being born of God, all these things. So it's like Christ reestablishes the racial covenant uh, in contradiction to the Edomite, the Edomite priesthood at that time, which was a multicultural, everyone's welcome type thing. Like I imagine it being similar to the Catholic Church of today. Thank you. Well, well, 
Joe, if, if you, if you really think about it, and, and I have, the Roman Catholic Church, and I haven't written it all down yet, someday I might, the Roman Catholic Church has accepted all of the errors of the Pharisees. And that's one of the, the main ones, that you could baptize somebody into something and transform them into something other than they were born. And and the Catholic Church has practiced that right from the beginning. But David even, Edomite said as well, like, we do have Abraham as a father. And then even Christ just, is like, yeah, maybe you do, but... Even Justin Martyr <clears throat> believed in replacement theology. And that's in the middle of the second cent- century. Maybe 160, 170 AD. So that's how quickly Paul of Tarsus was, and, and that was in part, in part facilitated because the Ebionite Jews or Judeans rejected Paul. All of the Judeans who accepted Christianity rejected Paul. And that's reflected in Acts chapter 21. 21, 22, where Paul encounters James. So where Paul was supposedly brought a Greek into the temple is in Acts chapter 21, verse 29. Trophimus, an Ephesian, whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. So they they said that he brought Greeks also into place. Of course, those Greeks were not circumcised and baptized according to the rights of the Jews. If they had been, if, if they had a, a rabbi, I, I can't say it. I, I want to say it, but I can't say it. But we all know what rabbis do with little boys to remove the blood of the circumcision. Uh-huh. If, if they had the rabbi given the nod of approval, then they would have been fine. It's an yeah, so basically your answer is the root. Yeah, so it changed to religious rites and pretense rather than the racial component that's in the Bible. Is well, the, the racial component... Which is something we see today. Sadly, the racial component lost out to politics in the time of the Maccabees. That, that's very clear in the transition there over, over a 30-year period. That's when the, Josephus first mentions the sects of the Essenes, Pharisees, and Sadducees. And I really think that Pharisees, that they probably were really separatists when the sect was founded, because that's what the word means. But later on, that aspect of, of the meaning of the word was lost. That's my opinion. No, that's in. Interesting, that goes some way to explaining it as well. You know, how they could just lose sight of so many things and have these political and religious distinctions that aren't based on the Bible anymore. Right, and and, and all of that came in the Hellenistic period and, and with the rise of the, of the Maccabees. It, it, we don't know the inner mechanizations how how that happened we don't know the inner politics of Judea 
the, the things that Josephus reports to us are, are merely the type of things that you see in the news. Like, so-and-so did this and took this city and drove the people out, stuff like that. Yet you don't see the behind-the-scenes politics even in the history of Josephus. But you don't always see them in, in the best Greek histories either. You usually don't. Real history is never recorded. When did uh, the Pharisees um, become fully infiltrated, for the most part, by the Edomites? That That's hard to tell, right? I, I mean, there was a sect of the Pharisees that appeared in Josephus at a time just before Hyrcanus began converting the Edomites. And... By the time of Christ, that sect of the Pharisees is polluted with, with these same ideas, the idea of a civic Judean, right, rather than a racial Judean. We have the same problem with nationalism today, right? We have civic nationalisms, na- civic nationalists and racial nationalists, right? So, So it's an age-old problem, and it repeats itself all the time. Yeah, I've been seeing lately where people were accusing Nicodemus of being an Edomite. Probably a CI lot. Just because he was a, yeah, just because he was a Pharisee. Yeah, and, and that's actually, that, that's actually been a problem in Christian identity for 40 years. Easy. That, that's been a problem. That, at, that there are people that are old school Christian identity that believe that every Pharisee was an Edomite. And that's just a lie. It's absolutely not true. Right. Do they think Paul was an Edomite? Yes, they do, for that same Paul, reason. Yeah, do they think Paul was an Edomite? Oh. Yes, they do. That's the Paul bet. <laughs> every Sadducee. Yeah, your Paul bet. Well, yeah, see, I like clown school. But what about Sadducees, Bill? Most of the, I mean, it would be pretty easy to say all of the Sadducees were Edomites, wouldn't it? I believe so. All the Sadducees, but that's because the sect, the sect of the Pharisees was very large. It was the largest sect, but it never really had control. The Sadducees had been most, at least most, and I really think all, but I can't say it because I don't have it in ancient writing, but at least most of the high priests from the time of Herod Archelaus, which is like 6 AD, to the time of 70 AD and the destruction of the temple, at least most of the high priests were Sadducees, and probably all. And Josephus had said that the Sadducees were the the party that were favored by the rich. Where the Pharisees had the greater number, the Sadducees had all the influence with with the rulers, with the Herods especially. And it was the Herods, for a time, the Romans had appointed the high priest. But that wasn't a very long time. And Herod appointed the high priests 
later on Herod Agrippa appointed the high priests. Herod and his heirs were appointing the high priest before the Romans took it over. And then the Romans started appointing a high priest, but that didn't last very long until they turned the authority over to Agrippa, Herod Agrippa I. And Caiaphas and Annas, Caiaphas was the high priest for, the Caiaphas of the New Testament, he was the high priest for 18 years. He was the longest serving high priest in that period, in, in that 64 year period. And most of those Isn't were, were a sort of Edomites. thing where, I'm sorry. Where even after they, even after they weren't high priest anymore, they were still referred to as high priest, whereas previously you had to die and then they'd get a new high priest. Whereas in the time of Herod, cause he just kept appointing and, you know, it became a bit of a clown show. Um, there were multiple high priests and he was still referred to a high, as a high priest and his son was still a high priest. And then you had the race of the high priest in the book of Acts. And, um, doesn't John in his gospel refer to the high priest plural? And some haven't you suggested that was sarcastic because in the original Old Testament, you would die as a high priest, then a new high priest would run it. So it was almost like, John's pointing out that these high priests are now, you know, not following the tradition. There's multiple high priests for some reason. There's a race of the high priest in the Book of Acts. Well, well, in in the um, in the Old Testament, first, the high priest wasn't appointed at after you died as high priest. Your oldest son became the high priest. It was hereditary. And if your oldest son, if you didn't have a son, then the next closest male relative would become the high priest. So it wasn't really hereditary. It, it, it wasn't really appointed. It was hereditary. Aside from that, it should have still been that way in the period of the New Testament. But that changed with Herod, Herod the Great, Herod the Edomite. The first Herod, when he had slew all of the family of the Hasmoneans, and he took over as king when he bribed Rome, and he started appointing the high priest and using it as a political office to reward his political allies or, or to appoint people into that position that would obey him. And he did that to consolidate his power over Judea. So ever since, since yeah, but probably there was a race of the high priest in the book of Acts, wasn't it, Bill? Yes, it does say the race of the high priest. But Caiaphas was the son-in-law of Annas, and he was a he was a Sadducee, and Annas, five of his sons became high priest after Caiaphas, after the death of Caiaphas in thirty-six A.D. I believe. And that race was supposed to exclusively be from the tribe of Levi. Well, it was, but that was not yeah, the well, case it, any longer. That wasn't the case any longer from the time of Heaven. And, mm-hmm. and it's like this race of the high priest was opposed to the race that the apostles were. 
Well, that's pretty obvious in a lot of the scriptures. They acted just like these Jew lawyers in Charlottesville. Same character, same nature. Yeah, you can see that same nature today where they flaunt their hypocrisy. A lot of people like to point out hypocrisies of the communist Zog. They they don't care. That 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 they're proud of it. That that just shows their power, so they flaunt it. I had words. I I went back to Twitter yesterday, and I really only went back to Twitter because I wanted to follow Jason Kessler's posts about the Charlottesville trial. Even though I'm listening to the trial, Kessler has a lot more insight into all of the Charlottesville leftists, right? And a lot of interesting things to say about some of some of them. Well, anyway, the judge basically stifled Kessler from doing that. He he can't comment on Twitter about the trial any longer. As of this this morning, I believe. But and and I'm sure that's the Charlottesville leftists complaining to the judge, right? Through the plaintiffs' attorneys, it it seems they have a huge net leftist network in Charlottesville, and and they all know each other. It it's all these expert witnesses are really tied in with the defendants, defense attorneys, and it's one big Jewish circus. It really is. That's the impression I've had listening to every witness in the trial. So anyway, now I not now I just forgot where I'm going with this. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and if that these that these Jewish lawyers, these plaintiffs' lawyers in Charlottesville, if you watch the way they conduct their interrogations of, of these witnesses, especially witnesses for the defense or, or the defendants themselves, they are every bit the same nature as the Edomite Pharisees and Sadducees that had opposed Christ in the New Testament. It, it's the character. So I'm arguing with this yesterday. I go back to Twitter. Now I remember why I brought this up. I did, when I got back on Twitter, it had been three years almost since my old uh, Twitter accounts were suspended. So I went and did a search for Christogenia just to see what would pop up. And I find this New York Jew that's a writer. And, and he's evidently a pretty popular writer, has a lot of awards. And he was gloating that some of my tweets, my anti-Semitic tweets from three years ago were removed. And he was gloating about it in a tweet and mentioning me. So that's how I found it, because he he directed this at Christogenia, which was one of my old Twitter handles. So I answered him, and I called him on his hypocrisy. He claims to be a free speech absolutist. And he's a Jew. And free speech to me means that you believe in free speech absolutely, no matter what it is. And I called him on his hypocrisy. And he came back at me with that. And I'm like, well, if you're a free speech absolutist, why are you gloating about my tweets being removed? You're a damned hypocrite. 
They're hypocrites. Every Jew is a fucking hypocrite. They don't have uh, the mental ability to be anything but a hypocrite. Every single Jew. It's in their nature. It's innate. It's built into them. No truth in them, right? That's... Well, well, it proves it, it proves the words of Christ over and over again. But white people just can't see it because they're blinded by these same damned hypocrites. You know what we need? We need more missionaries to Israel. You know, we need to send more missionaries to Israel to get spat on and to be, you know, accosted by the acts. And maybe then, maybe one day, they'll finally repent and their nature will change and they won't be so ugly and their big nose will shrink down. <laughs> All these principles like that that they want to talk about, it's it's just like a, any sort of fashion trend, you know. Oh, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not an evil guy, I'm... I'm just like everyone else, you know. But I argue like this. Is that where the Pinocchio story came from? The the Junos growing longer? The yeah, probably. probably. Yeah. You can magically transform a goat into a sheep if you're nice enough. If you're nice enough to them. See, we'll never be successful because we're too racist, <laughs> we're too mean, we're too prejudiced. So it doesn't work. But if we go over to Israel with a group of people like who are a bit nicer to the Jews, a bit more respectful, they'll turn from goats in the sheep magically. <laughs> yeah, the Talmud, that, that's the whole purpose of the Talmud is to justify their hypocrisy. If we send our missionaries over to Israel, they'll turn from sheep to goats. I mean, from goats to sheep. <laughs> send missions instead of missionaries. <laughs> send them a boat full of chickens to twirl. And their hats will be full size. Yeah, they'll, they'll evolve back to normal size. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, can you undo the corruption of the fallen angels? Can any can you you know can you derive a man from a from corruption? No, you can't. Bible says no. But you know, like, could you even use like genetic modification to help the Jews? No. no. How can you implant no. <laughs> the spirit? No. You know, into a man if he's not. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's, that's why they, maybe that's why they believe in evolution. They have hope for themselves. Well, they don't. They don't believe in evolution. They just they sell it like a product. <laughs> the, you know, they sell it like a used car, the, like, just like Judaism evolve, and all that other crap. It'll evolve into having a soul. <laughs> I guess evolve their way out of the lake of fire. They'll get born again. It's not gonna happen. Yeah. Probably don't believe in anything. No, I always think they don't really actually believe in anything. No, they don't. Kind of empty. They just say they do so that they can get on the trend. Nothing makes sense. Like if you were a white man, could never believe in or promote a holocaust, but they can because they don't really care and they don't really believe in anything. Yeah. Mm, they have the Torah. They believe, they don't even believe in Genesis one one because they believe in evolution. That's all it is is that they've got Christians. Oh, yeah, what percentage of the Torah makes up the Talmud? Yeah. Just a small little piece of the Talmud. It's they, only they there for show. That, that's the religion, the Torah. It's only there for show. 
the entire Talmud is a disputation of the Torah. Yeah. And and the Jews really only believe in themselves that they're humanists. They can't really have any perception, any true perception of a, a God, an invisible God that's going to judge them for their deeds and their actions. That that's why they have the Kol Nidra, which is a prayer that releases them from all of the, their lies from the past year. It's Judaism is wicked in in every way. It's satanic. They're humans. Hey, Bill, I found the verse. Yeah, right. yeah, def, yeah, and they believe they're their own messiah. Yeah, I they want to make the themselves a law. Before it, that they are the wicked yeah, described in the wisdom of Solomon. They want to make themselves the law. And they really do believe that they can save themselves, that they are their own Messiah. That is true. Seeking eternal life through that sorcery. That they have the right to their own will. Probably. Yes. Well, in Job 14.4, it says, Who can bring out clean from unclean? No one. Yeah. So how can you derive a, uh, a white man from a kike or a nigger? And that's what the niggers and the kikes believe. They believe in evolution. But Job says, who can bring out clean from unclean? David, who, who was that guy that, um, he, he used to follow, um, he used to follow Bill, um, him and, him and Misty had a falling out and everybody had a big falling out. It was, his last name was Brennan or something like that. Ryan. Ryan. Okay. Ryan. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you remember he, he, he used to, he used to say that, um, that he was God. And yeah. he believed yeah, in the law of attraction. <laughs> and that's all Jew lies. He was, he was just spouting Jew he lies. Was win the lottery. Yeah. So on, <laughs> like on one hand, he would say, Oh no, I'm a Christian. But then on the other hand, he would say, um, uh, he, he believed in the law of attraction that he was God. God didn't live in him. That he was God. And I, that's the same shit that Michael proved that wrong. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> That's, a, that's the, same, the same package that the Jews sell. I remember uh, he that. He said, said be rich. and he uh, said, the only God there is is your conscious. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, he said, if I'm a false prophet, I'm not going to be rich. I'm not going to succeed in, uh, where is he? <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, that's, that's like Gnostic. That's like the Gnostic Christians. He professes Satanism now. Ryan went to the dark yeah. side yeah. completely. He's God into Satanism. He's into Satanism now. Yeah. Well, he he says he's into he's Satanism. Yeah. If, if you look at his latest yeah. permutations yeah, on social media, he's a Satanist. That's yeah, that. that's Judaism. Satanism yeah, is Judaism. Same thing. Uh, that's next level CI. Well, well, <laughs> Maybe Satan will give you the money. <laughs> yeah, you know when when he got into Neville Goddard and and all of that law of attraction bullshit, he he was into Satanism then. He just didn't even know it. And, yeah. and Brandenburg followed him right into it. Yeah. 
Yeah, all that woo-woo science, uh, frequencies and vibrations. It's got to tune in, Roddy. You've got to tune into the frequency, <laughs> and you'll get everything you want. Yeah. Yeah. Are we talking yeah. about Ryan B or Ryan? Ryan Brennan. Yeah, we'd call him. Right. Brother Ryan. Ramblin' Ryan. Brother Ryan. That'll work. Yeah, don't, don't you guys think that some like if somebody's really after control and power, um, they're gonna find Satanism or this law of attraction kind of stuff? I mean, at the root of it, you're wanting to control more than you're gonna you're wanting to let God control. Mm-hmm. Well, because yeah. it's it's it's, uh, it's an occult belief to want to control more than yourself. You know, wanting wanting to take God's position—that's a very satanic ideology. Yeah, it it's is total it opposite is. of Christianity. It's humanism. Christianity, yes, feminism. Christianity: your life is not your own. You legally, lawfully have no control of your life up to a certain extent to make choices, but ultimately, it's not yours. Right. Judaism and Hollywood movies, uh, then you can do anything, and stopping uh, <laughs> you is evil. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's like the serpent in the garden. We're saying to Eve, a, a version of humanism where the serpent said, "You can be like God." You know, God just doesn't want you know. So that humanism that started from the beginning and that was Satanism from the beginning. So if you don't respect God as a sovereign power in your life, you know, that is Satanism and that, you know, that's from the beginning that all started. That sort of idolatry of humanism, self-worship, power. Right. So when you rebuke Yahweh, what are you actually drawing to yourself? What is the opposite of Yahweh? And that's what Hollywood loves to amplify. It's no way. Exactly. <laughs> it's the wrong way. It's the wrong way. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, they, they do that in movies all the time. You'll see someone like, uh, they'll be in a situation and they'll start praying. And then the big boogeyman's like, oh, God isn't here, and, you know, they'll, they'll kill the person or whatever. Yeah. That's that's brainwashing. It's propaganda yeah. at its purest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the time they don't tell people, like, if you're not keeping the law of God, don't expect God to bless you. Right. You know, that they'll just say, God is mean for no reason. Why worship a God like that? I, I remember that poofter, Stephen Fry, saying, um, how dare God cause childhood cancer? And it's like, you know, yeah. the world we have today, wouldn't you expect like famines and disease because no one does anything good and no one wants to keep his law or do anything right. So why wouldn't you expect plagues and disease and hardships if that's what they're doing? Yeah. It's not because God is mean. He promised, you know, curse he goes, so he hasn't broken any promises. I think some of that goes back to our flaw of what, what, like our version of uh, how to actually bring people to Christ, and a lot of the whole missionary kind of thing is like be nice to people, 
And if you're nice enough to them, they're going to find God. And so, like, they think that God's going to just be nice enough to us to bring us close to him. But that's the whole famine thing and, you know, plagues that, that doesn't, that doesn't fit with that paradigm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that's the only law of attraction there really is, like what Jim was saying. You're, you're attracting people. Satan. Yeah, if you if you hate God, that's what you're attracting because you're a humanist who believes you know who believes you can follow your own law and still be blessed. But if you want to be blessed, you have to follow God's law. And there are people on this planet who can't keep God's law no matter what they do. So there's no point in sending missionaries to them because they're outside God's law from their birth. They're never going to get a blessing. God is never going to bless a nigger. God's not going to bless a kike. They're cursed. Person, people. Yep. Well, a lot of the times, it's those exact people who are starving or who have childhood cancer. I don't feel bad yeah. when these these Africans, you know, they show the pictures of them and they're starving or whatever. Yeah, and I don't care if they're fucking gay or queer or transgender or whatever. I don't care. It's not like you know we have to worry about them further furthering their family tree. I don't give a shit. The when I do. When I do begin to care is when it's our people, when that shit rubs off on our people and our people begin to believe that shit like it's okay, like it's okay to sin. It's not a sin when a, when a Jew does that shit because Jews are holy. They're not from Yahweh. Yeah, we don't want okay. the curses, but they've already got the curses. So exactly. it's like why walk into Africa and they're all eating each other and you're like, hey, hey, guys. You know, don't be gay. And it's like they're eating each other. Just yeah. leave them. Just Singing cow shit. Who cares? Get out of there. We don't fucking belong there anyways. But, but they were all... Oh. say, well, that's proof that God doesn't care about these people. They were all the sins of Canaan. They were all the sins of the Canaanites. It, it's There's nothing new under the sun, right? Everything that what they do today right. was going on in ancient Canaan, and we were told, stay away from those people, kill them all, or you're going to start doing those things. And and here we are again. We got the curses because we invited them in. Right. Yeah. And well, we you, always think... Right. It, it's inevitable. We always think to their level... We mm-hmm. never raise them to our level. It's never going to happen because they can't be raised to our level. They're like, who and can when we donate money to people like that, it's basically us sacrificing to their gods. Right. When right. We get that medicine and foods. They they don't thank us or our god. They give praise to right. their and to their Satan god or yeah. serpent accepting- god, whatever they worship. Even accepting their persons is tantamount to accepting their gods. Like you're sacrificing your own people to feed Satan or something. I mean, I didn't fall to speak about those who feast unworthily will be liable. So if if we um if they take something from us, like we give them a crumb of bread, they will be liable to pay back that crumb of bread. And they're not going to be able to pay it back, so then it's going to be like death for them. That's going to be the judgment. Like everything they've taken from us, they're liable for. Yeah. They feast unworthily. Those who feast unworthily feed off of us, like they feed on God's holy mountain. They're going to be liable for that in the end. Right, and our debt has been paid. 
in blood. Yeah. But they don't, yeah, they don't have Christ to pay exactly. the debt. So they're just, <laughs> they're just going to be liable for death. Right. His judgment. It, not just death, but death to the 10th power. They will full, forever be gone. They will be erased forever. I won't miss them. I won't miss them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. I think it was Bill's Wiseman series where he was saying how Wiseman, they talking about crumbs for the dogs, and he was saying that Wiseman wants to not only throw crumbs to the dogs, but take the whole loaf of bread out of the mouths of the children and give it to the fucking dogs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think I said that about yeah, Eli James good. first. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Joe November, he wrote a paper the, called the crumbs. crumbs fall. They aren't. Eric, yeah. The crumbs fall. They aren't given. Hey, howdy. Yeah, the, the crumbs fall. They aren't given. He tells that dog straight to her face that you don't give bread to the dogs. That bread, that bread's Christ. So if you try and preach universalism and you say, oh, Christ came for all people, that's the same as giving, taking the bread of the children, casting it to the dogs. You're liable for that. And, and on top of it, we refill their cup double. <laughs> They're extra liable, so. Yeah. Well, just like Cain, he expects them to do good, but they can't. He knows, we know they can't. And that's why they're more, they're double liable. They're twice the children of hell. Gehenna. No European nation has ever required as much help as these nigger nations have. Maybe into act civilized. For about yeah, a just year go now. Back. Yeah, okay. Just go back to being niggas anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, they only, For about they only a year convert now, to Christianity. These, uh... Go on, Trouty. Go ahead, For Trouty. about a year now, I've been seeing these, uh, uh, mostly on Facebook where, um, these poor Jew bitches are, are needing help. <laughs> and they they want you to donate money to them that shows this fat Jew bitch. <laughs> Why don't they go to the synagogue and ask for money yeah. instead of Facebook? Like all the billions of dollars we give them anyway, are they steal from us? The government steals from us. That's not enough, right? Yeah. It's the Goyim job to pay. Yeah, but in a die, they have to repay it all. It's like they're feeding on God's holy mountain. And then they have to repay it all and they're gone. Goodbye. You know, so they're liable. So the Jews think they're getting away with it and they're enriching themselves, but they're feeding on God's holy mountain. They don't know that. They don't see the judgment that's coming, I say. And in more ways, and in more ways than one, by using our identity, that's another way of feeding off of us. And they're so like robbers. Yeah, right, right, Eric. God's yeah, chosen they're people. exploiting our natural emotions of empathy and sympathy and for their own benefit. Yeah, they know. And what they know that we have those emotions and they don't. And what a coincidence. The less they need our identity, the more atheist they become, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they're all atheists by birth genetically, but you know what I mean. I would say satanic. Yeah. 
because it's more brazen about it. Atheism is Satanism. But I've seen godlessness. The Germans, the the left wing Germans, are starting to consider the Somalian immigrants authentic German. Yeah, Yeah. these are the Germans. Yeah, Yeah, get the fuck out of here. They're they're going to be building the new Volkswagens and Audis, yeah, and the bridges and the airplanes mm-hmm. with their future astronauts and their uh, they'll be on the new Deutschmark. Their mud huts and their mosquito burgers. Yeah, <laughs> they'll be on the new Deutschmark. Mm-hmm. I was just musing with someone earlier today, and long story short, it still comes down to like Fink says, he's not the first or the last, but capitalize it off of people get confused off of geography versus genealogy you know i mean that's in in uh, <laughs> northern uh midwest wherever that ain't no american that ain't no midwestern that's a haji paji mm-hmm. yeah that 10 15 years of ancestry 23 and me they'll be saying um somalians have german dna yeah you know, because of, because of the gene pool sample, yeah. Yeah. they'll tell Tyrone that he's Scottish, and, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, uh, Norwegian, yeah. <laughs> and then they'll trace it back, and, and they'll trace back like an ancient population. And they'll say we've got a German from like two, two hundred, three hundred years ago, and it matches the DNA of this nigger right here. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. right. No, dude, that's, that's, crazy. Crazy. That, that's how that gene pool sample works. But it also had an option for Australian as well, which is interesting. It's like, well, what is that? Is that a white person? Yeah. It? What? Yeah. What would that mean? You'd think it'd have to be. They can't swim, can't build a seafaring boat, but they, they was Vikings. Don't yeah. think, Joe, you're half Aborigines. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the ancestors of all Australians. They built, they built Australia. You know, I'm just jealous of their achievements. And so <laughs> I try to claim, I try to claim this country. Really, it was the Abos who did it all. Yeah, I'm, you know, I just came, I just came in and I stole it. <laughs> Yeah, and nigger, nigger hands built America yeah. from the ground up, yeah. y'all. And then we just genocided them or something. That's, that's, <laughs> why, that's why the abos are sleeping on the roads at night and they get hit because they built them all. Yeah. yeah. Now they're, they're on break, you know. They, they got to sniff the gas now. They're yeah, that's why they got to sniff the petrol from a can because obviously they made the refinery, <laughs> clearly. Yeah. You know what sucked is it? The white people came along and said, these roads aren't for sleeping, they're for driving. And it's like, you know, the Abos invented the roads. They know what they're for. And then the white people came along and said, petrol's not for sniffing. It's for putting in a car so you can drive. You know, well, the Abos invented petrol, so they know what it's for. You know, we white people come along and keep telling these Abos what stuff is for that they invented. You know, unbelievable. Jacob, you know the one that sticks out in America that just makes the blood boil, right? They still, to this day, teach in schools all over the country that the Europeans were taught how to farm 
by the quote-unquote indigenous people. Don't get me started on public. I know, I know, it makes the blood boil, but yeah, yeah, the people synonymous (laughs) with husbandry and farming, oh, we just forgot everything in that month-long trip, like, oh, I forgot how to farm. Yeah. And like, I shit you not. They they extend that all the way to some people. I, I I kid you not. They are taught and they believe that there was some sort of infrastructure before we got here. Like there were skyscrapers and roads and foundries and gravel pits and all this. Yeah, we just build nations. Speaking of which, people say that that we come from. East Africa, but when you go to East Africa, it's just sand. There's nothing. If we really did like evolve or whatever from there, why isn't there buildings everywhere? Yeah, for real. Well, exactly. Good on you, kid. Exactly. Good call. Because we're white Jesus, and they Jesus, didn't but... build us. We had to go to Europe. They didn't build but, where the niggers already built everything. <laughs> So we had to go to Europe and take it from them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Privilege, yes. We didn't earn anything yet, though. Just to plan for the season, I think that the whole uh, narrative of the myth of Thanksgiving was like completely bogus, right? Yeah. As an outsider. My they saved us from starving. Thanksgiving was when the Indians gave the white people food, and then they gave thanks to the Indians, and they had a big feast together. <laughs> they invited bastards. The yeah. The the Quakers invited bastards to the dinner table because they were starving and forgot how to farm. In the fifties, they said you can be friends with them on the street, but you don't invite them invite them over for Sunday dinner ever. Yeah, well, you might have to work with them, but you don't have to invite them over for dinner. Exactly. And I say... Yeah, you'll have to deal with them in public, but be civil with them out in the world, but that's as far as that shit should go. Speaking of these um, holidays and, and traditions and whatnot, I, I say that we as white people, we need to uh, continue to celebrate these holidays because um, most diggers can't. They can't afford to. And this is why... It's- Supremacy, um, and we need to flex that on them. Like we went out, we well, yeah, we went out for Halloween. We we got dressed up and, and whatnot, and we had really good time. Niggers out there, and niggers can't afford Halloween costumes. They can't. They. I, I think we, we stopped just the store and they looked at us and, and, and envy. I think they just rather spend their money well, on them said getting high and stoned and crack and whatever. Heroin. And they're Jordans. Evan. <laughs> yeah. Air Jordan. Evan did say he saw one in white face. Oh, yeah. I did see one yeah. in white face at the store. Yeah. Yeah. We did see one in white face yeah. at the store. It was pretty funny. Yeah. We walked into the, the food city. <laughs> and as soon as I, I walked in, I looked to my left at the, the checkout line. And there's this nigger who's got like a black trench coat on and white face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, he was white for Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> oh, weren't you hurt in? 
weren't you hurt inside and just so offended and just no. felt like oh your whole God. world was just tore apart? I could have posted a, a GoFundMe. <laughs> yeah, GoFundMe. <laughs> well, I'd love to well, give I some other people that. a chance to talk what tonight. Fidelity, you want fuck? It's so fragile. Dasho, I'd like to hear from Dasho. Prothink was here a minute ago, but he dropped out. Hopefully, he'll come back. Mike, did he ever get over that uh, COVID bullshit? I hope so. He told me he was feeling better the other day. I didn't really have a chance to get back to him because I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday. But he said he was feeling better. That's good. Danny Upsigrad just sent me a note. He's listening. I wish he showed up. There's this verse that I was reading in Matthew 13. It was the parable of the weeds. I just thought it was like an interesting topic because, you know, the the farm the farm hands or the servants come, you know, they find that there's weeds growing and they come back to the master or the the landowner and they said, and I'm paraphrasing here, but they said, "What's going on with these weeds? I thought we only planted good seed." Did you? He, then they asked the the owner, "Did you plant this bad seed in here?" And he basically says, "No, I, that wasn't me. That was." And then later they explain it. They said that's actually the devil planted the bad seed. Yeah, and uh, it's just so plain as day, and it actually gave a lot of insight on how we might treat this because, of course, we'd like to go and just pluck all the bad seed out and make this a, just a pure world again immediately. But the parable of Jesus telling says, uh, don't go taking and trying to pluck out the bad seed. I'll take care of that at the end of times. Is anyone else, has yeah. anyone else kind of read that or studied that? Of course. It's very telling, isn't it? He's, he's, if I remember correctly, he said that the, the wheat and the tear would have to grow together to like adult level so that you could tell them apart to be separated. Yeah, they're fruits. And you know, that, that's just another thing is that, um, the only path to a white nation, Christ, you know, white people themselves, how are they going to build a white nation? Are we going to do DNA tests? on everyone on the planet and determine who's white and who isn't. We can't do that because you would need um, an infallible technology. And because man is fallible, his technology derived from man is also fallible. So you can't have an infallible technology come from man. Only God has is divine, and therefore only God can divide the wheat and the tear. Therefore only God can establish a pure white nation. Men can't do it. So when you talk to these white nationalists and they're in some sort of la-la land pretending that they can build a white nation with DNA tests, they can't. We have to wait for Christ to come and do it. And that's why I say the only path for a white nation is in Christ. And that's what you're talking about. That's so hard to accept that, but that's if that's what God says we have to do, I mean, that's what we have to We have to be patient. But we can't, we can't see what's in a man. Only, you know, we're told that Christ would see what's in a man and he could, he could judge the fruits of man righteously. I can't see what's in a man. I I sort of believe that, that, that scene where, where Jesus uh, rubs the guy's eyes and, and, and then he opens them for a minute and he can see people walking like trees. 
And then he and he rubs him again, and he uh, he can see normal uh, when before he was. I sort of believe he was he was giving the guy vision to see their their almost their family tree or their their to see who's the sheep and who's not. Oh, so, I think that's terrible. Do you yeah, think he had the vision of uh, you know we uh, they live you know the, the movie? I haven't seen that movie. What, oh, you can, what, what is the, what's the premise? You can see what appears to be, you know, aliens. Oh, it's like yeah, the sixth, Rowdy Rod Piper. It's like the sixth sense where you can see. Yeah, he can see the the wheat from the tears momentarily, yeah. and then he makes, you know, the normal vision. I just wonder how that would be, like Jesus walking around this like multicultural place, trying to. I mean, he would be able to see who's his sheep and who's not. Can I can I uh, compound just one little extra snippet on that, um, and why it's, sure. why it's applicable today is uh, even the questioning in the first part goes back to like Hitler and the big lie, um, and why we for it. Not only what's given, you know, we're blinded and, and deaf and whatnot, but we can't believe that someone would plant weeds in the field. Same thing as that lie. We, we won't accept that the world can be so shitty and un- and false because we try to project ourselves on the rest of the world. And it's it's hard when we're genetically true and we have the law in our hearts. It's it's not a big point, but that's that's one other thing that I've thought about that passage as well that is applicable today. Just the questioning in the first part, like, how did this get in here, Master? How did you plant these? Well, I didn't. <laughs> do, do you think people at the time may have been asking Jesus, uh, well, how did the world come to be? Like, why? how is there all this bad seed here? Is that God who did it? Well, I mean, people well, ask that now. Well, right now we're battling... We're battling the same lie that God God made all the races of the world, and we're like, how did he? Why do? You, why would he make that race? <laughs> but yeah, that, they just deny it, like you, like you're saying. They just say that everyone is from Adam, so there's no such thing as bad seed in their view. There's just bad people who do bad things. Well, well, you know, I really hope. Well. I really hope that I address some of those topics, or, or probably all of them. I hope. In, in some of my podcasts, my, my um, Romans commentary or pragmatic Genesis. Well, you do, and you, you definitely, you definitely do, Bill. I, uh, just for discussion, you know, and just, just you know, talking to people, it's, it's, it's. You, I don't know if there's a topic you haven't hit yet <laughs> in all your work. So, well, well we just well, finished. Well, I'm just the saying that it, it's things Testament. that we've discussed. It, it's I, I hope that we haven't ignored them. I, I'm not well, trying I, to I prevent you from talking about them here. Believe me. I, I just when people show up here, I don't know where they're at. Right? You know what I mean? Yeah, I understand. So yeah, go on. So you can Don't go let me and take the wind out of yourselves. Because 
it's explained, you know, why are these people who are anti-Christ, who are intrinsically opposed to Christ forever and can't be converted to Christ? Like that Christ explains all those things. It's origin and destiny. That's what we say. That's our little phrase, origin, destiny. If you have an origin with Christ, you have a destiny with him. If you don't have an origin with him, you don't have a future with him. And that's two seed line. And really the only difference between going to that spiritual land of Lala uh, and being in reality is accepting these verses where it says, God did not make these people. God did not make these people. There are plants in the world that are not from God. Right. And they go, no, that doesn't exist. Heavenly Father did not plant will be rooted up. And then there's like Malachi chapter 2. Do we all have one Father? Have Have one God created us? And the answer is, you know, basically Judah married the daughter of a strange God. How she the daughter of a strange God if they're all in, like, Jerusalem and they're all worshipping, like, they're all part of the same culture? Like, how is she part, is she part of a different religion? Did he marry someone of a different religion? Is that what it's saying? No, yeah, she you know, has Joe, a origin because she was a Canaanite. Judah married a Canaanite. Well, that's, the that's denominational... Perfect, wow. The denominational churches read the same passage in Malachi and try to assert that that proves that we all came from the same God. They ignore it. They take that one passage, that one verse out of place, and try to say it proves we all came from the same God. I was listening just before this program started, probably about quarter two. I listened to about five minutes of a snippet of a one-hour church ceremony from this Reverend Simi, who's really an Antifa communist, who testified as an expert witness in the Charlottesville trial. So I listen, I, I forget, I think somebody in the League of the South posted this sermon, and I downloaded it, and I listened to five minutes of it, and it's a woman in his church who was a guest speaker, and she's standing up there explaining to the people that these white nationalists are evil because, and they're going to be corrected in the end because we are all part of the divinity. We are all of the same divine nature. And it's evil for us to reject them. And that's what they're taught. So they ignore Matthew chapter 15, where it says, every plant that my heavenly father didn't plant will be rooted up. And when they do address it, they claim that it's referring to bad ideas, not to people. If that was the case, then why did Yahweh, what's their answer to why Yahweh scattered the tribes that gathered beneath uh, King Nimrod at the Tower of Babel? I'll remember that when my bike gets stolen. <laughs> well, well right, Dasho, there's a million ways to question that. But that their listeners, that that the people that attend those churches don't question it. They don't even know to question it. They don't know enough to question it. They don't read their Bibles. Well, no, they, they don't. I address just the last question that we that we. But let's be fair. Nobody reads their Bibles. Those are Sunday bench warmers. That's all they are. They can't think for themselves. <laughs> Oh, I think it's funny when you get to Matthew 25 and he's dividing by ethnos 
And why aren't the people on the left hand just say, oh, well, he's standing right in front of us. I repent. I believe. Don't send me to hell. And then he's like, no, you anyways. <laughs> it's like, why, yeah. does that, why does anyone go to hell? Like, well, why does anyone go to hell if that's the case? Well, I think Eric wants to get a word well, in. That tower. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. But uh, currently, yeah, that Tower of Babel, you know, that's kind of like a big F you to God. That's like humanism. So, of course, he's going to split it up. But for the sake of it, just because we left off on a specific question, if I can quick, is why Yahweh even allows the bastard races to exist. I know this has been expressed and covered umpteen times at Christagonia and beyond and before, and will probably in the future, but uh, Jeremiah 2.19 and 2.6 are good indicators of that. They are allowed to exist for our punishment. Right. And that is pretty much the end of the story. It's he endures more than we have to endure, and we will feel our own wickedness, right? So just just for the, since the question was asked, I'm sorry, I just throw that in there. That's all. No, that's fine. That that was actually addressed all the way back in Judges and Joshua when the children of Israel failed to destroy them all, and, and because of their sin, they were told that they were going to be kept around to punish them. And it's the same for all the other races. Right, yeah, yeah. So so we have to come to grips with that and and realize that the only white nationalist solution is repentance. That's why Christian identity is the only effective and true white nationalism. Because we understand that. And that's the only way to see that how Christ said he's he's going to reveal things kept secret from the beginning he cures your blindness he, he's the only one that can do that and to to look at it with your sea eyes to see how trees are representative of people vines all the parables it all makes sense it all comes together then well well that's what I said about John chapters 8 9 and 10. It, it's not a mistake or a coincidence that he gives this, he has this great dispute with his enemies where he, he spells out the fact that they're not from God, that they are bastards, that they are devils, and then in John chapter 10 where he talks about the sheep, and right smack in the middle of those two chapters, he heals a man who is blind from birth. That's not a coincidence. We should learn from that lesson. It's teaching us a lesson. Just the orders of those stories, the order of of, of those accounts, are teaching us a lesson. Yeah, you, you know what's funny, Jordy, is when you um tell white nationalists that blacks don't go to heaven, and they're like, "That's too far, man. That's too far." You know, that's, that's we yeah, can that's live side by side. <laughs> yeah. Like they're not a right they're racist up to that point because they want blacks around for their rap music and stuff because you know, white nationalists love rap music, love black comedians, and they're always posting black comedians. So they won't they yeah. want blacks around, they just don't want them around them with certain conditions or something. Yeah, and so when we come along and say they're not going to heaven, they're just offended. Yeah, white nationalists. Yeah, we're- Today is defined by what degree 
to which you will capitulate. I think there was a time for me where I thought, you know, if if I get my own country with my own race, well, they should get it too because I want to be equal, and, and that seems like the ethical thing. Uh, so I can see where the white nationalist or ethnostate kind of view is, um, and I think that's a step in the right direction probably, but it's uh, I see what you're saying about how the, it, it's sort of like there are still questions they have to answer about. Um, well, they've got a whole continent and they've done nothing with it. <laughs> yeah, but the whole idea of an ethnostate is compromise. <laughs> And it's we need an, eth- an, an ethno world, not an ethno state. <laughs> That's how I see it too, Grody. And it's like if they exist anywhere, they're still a threat to us in the future because they could deceive <laughs> us again in the future or come right. into our lands again and deceive our people and rob us again. So to put an end to it forever, they can't exist. You can't let you can't let evil have any place, any hold on the planet, I'd say. They didn't utterly wipe out the Canaanites, and then the next generation came along and said, oh, well, you know, they're okay, and let's let them back in. I'm tired of fighting these guys just a little bit. (laughs) I think most people's, you know, especially white nationalist problems, as well as mine at an early age, it's so hard to know how to rectify race with religion, quote-unquote religion, if you will. And you, you throw it simple, like, oh, no, everyone's, you know, egalitarianism, universalism. It's hard to rectify race with religion and God. But that last step, and once you know, well, there's your answer, right? Well, Romans 4 and 9 did it for me, that the idea that you have Romans 4 in your head, that the promises are to Abraham and to his seed, and that explains who the reprobate are mentioned in Romans 9, not, you know, people outside of that racial covenant. Absolutely. Thanks, Danny. You know, right after the parable of the weeds, um, there's a really, really short parable about the mustard seed in that, that um, the good seed is this, it's planted, but it's so small of a, I guess I would say a population, uh, but over time it would grow and it would over, overtake. Um, I don't know, that was one, I, th- I think it was one of your articles, Bill, that kind of made me think, like, is that kind of how the world, like when Adam was, was created, that was, was the, you know, it was that the small seed that, that would grow and, 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 um, uh, kind of overtake uh, the existing, like, fallen humanoid, whatever was here before? Yeah, well, I think there were several bottlenecks like that, right? First it was Adam, and then it was Noah, and, and then it was Jacob. So there were and several like bottlenecks. Adam's commission, like Adam was placed in the garden. Well, I would, I would say to that, if that's what you're asking if I interpreted it right, was uh, just like in 2 Esdras, the Esdra, uh, the Apocrypha, mind you, uh, when he's asking where we are along in things, he's given a parable or a vision of like a fire and a storm. And the fire burns, the flames, and the storm it blows, 
and then there's a smoke left over, the smoldering, if you will, and the droplets, and that's where he is at the time. And the story's been going on, as far as I interpret it, I'm sorry, I apologize if I'm wrong, but we're at the end of a very long story, right? And even if our creation is only far back, I mean, we're, it's all for us in the end anyways. It's a straight and narrow, right? Um, I, I believe that was Adam's commission, though, that he was placed in the garden to tread down. I believe it says that. It says that he was placed in the garden to tread down and to rule over the fish and the beast of the sea and to have dominion. I yeah, can't remember the exact verse, it's all paraphrasing, but Adam was supposed to tread down and dominate the earth and he failed in his sin. And so then Christ comes along and he won't fail. He will tread down and he will rule. So Adam's commission will be fulfilled in Christ. So he, Adam was placed in the garden to... um tread down the wicked, you know, and establish a world order, a godly world order in the presence of an ungodly world order, which was the corruption of the fallen angels. That's what I think. Right, exactly. And they were here before us. You know, he he withheld or he saw the the fall from heaven like lightning kind of a thing. And, I mean, this is so much of creation was before Adam um, I mean, we might only have a certain amount of time in it, but it's for us. I mean, we are, we're the point, you know, uh, same as to Esdras, like I was uh, like quoting. What I got this evening, Dasho. I, I was just going to say, I forgot the two Esdras, one line in there, I wish I had Strong's for it, but. When uh, I'm sorry, but when Ezra was asking, he said, "The time isn't complete until the humiliation of Zion is complete." Uh, just like the straight and narrow, straight and narrow is corroborated and referenced in that to like the small stream to the lake. That's all I had. I'm sorry. Yeah, Dasho. Oh, I'm just trying to get other people involved. I don't know if Noah has anything else. Dasho, regular white guy. Truth Muscovite, there's a bunch of people David, here that haven't said anything. David just want to give them a chance. I'm sorry. Culture critic. Maybe they don't want a chance. Well, I would, I would just say this. <laughs> Maybe they don't want a chance. It's, it's, it's been about 23 minutes, so it's a bit late, but I just wanted to say earlier, earlier in the program, you guys were discussing, uh, how, how, the, the left is very hypocritical and how Jews are hypocritical. I, I just wanted to comment on that. I wanted, I wanted to say something about it, which is in, in Soviet Russia, right, during that, during that time period, these, the news in Russia had certain standards where not only would they lie on, on the news, they would tell blatant lies. They, they would tell very big and obvious lies. And part of that is psychological because if they can tell an obvious lie, if they can, if they can poke you in the chest and say the sky is green, right? And you, you agree with them, then they have power over you, right? They've, they've sort of roped you into it. You're, you're complicit in the lie because you don't resist it anymore. So, so part of it is that, right? Part, part of that whole sentiment of hypocrisy is it's not just hypocrisy for its own sake. 
I think I think a lot of it is also they're hypocritical because they know it poisons everyone around them too. Because every time you don't call them out for their hypocrisy, you become complicit in it in, in some small way, spiritually, psychologically, and, and right. It's if you, you don't let them get away with a lie. You become you become part of it, right? I've seen so much of that at Charlottesville that show. I've seen so much of that dash show at Charlottesville in, in this testimony. The other morning, I, I was absolutely disgusted when a Jewish prosecutor asked Nathan D'Amigo when he became radicalized. And D'Amigo, like a wet noodle, started to explain when he started hating people of other races or whatever in nice terms. Fuck that. I'd ask that Jew why he thinks I'm radicalized because I think he's radicalized. That I, I wish it was me giving that answer at that moment. When did you become mm. radicalized? Like, like, like good question. Something... You know, when did you stop beating your wife? Well, well, Dasha went right, right, Daniel. When when he answered that, the way he answered it, he admitted that he was radicalized. He lost right there, and a Jew owned him. So, hey, Dasho, what? isn't that called demoralization? Yes, the, the, the official name for that is in, in the Soviet documents and stuff where they discuss their, their own domestic psychological operations. It is called demoralization. They demoralize the populace. It forced by, people to believe a lie. And I think yes. in the Soviet, Soviet days, the early Soviet days, people would look up at the sun and I'd say, oh, it's midday. And the Soviet enforcers would come along and say, no, it's not midday. You work till we tell you to stop. You know, so they would demoralize the population by making them believe things that were obviously not true. Right, and, and that's that's part of the goal. The, the goal of the media isn't to convey the truth. It's to tell the biggest and most blatant lies. They, they, it's, it's actively, they are actively trying to tell absolute whoppers because... If no one calls them out on it, then that is simply it's it's asserting and reinforcing their power, right? And you could see the effect it has on people. You could see the effect that it had historically on the Soviets. Um, there were plenty of Israelites in the Soviet Union at the time who were were just beaten down into nothing. And you can see it today in Western countries. You can see it in Europe and America and Australia. You can see these people who are our racial brethren who have just they are completely cracked. They they're nuts. Because of this, they've been driven completely off the brain. Normal now. I'm not even sure they can be helped. Believe anything anymore. As he said prior, especially in his protocols of say series, media does not exist to portray or record public opinion. It's to create public opinion. Yep. Correct. Do you think that? that has this effect because like, I'm just imagining like, um, for example, my dad, he's very, he, he got very fired up about a, some conservative politics the last couple of years, uh, very freedom oriented, but he went and got the vaccine. I have no idea why he did it. I'm actually, you know, I get, I'm almost hurt that he did, didn't tell anybody. Um, but now I know he's like ashamed of it. So he did something he didn't agree with because of social pressures. And so he went along with the lie. He did it. And now he's even more ashamed of himself. 
Is that kind of what they're going for? Is that we just feel ashamed of ourselves? Yes, because if if you feel shame, their their idea is, and I, I think they've probably shown this to be true with with their experiments on psychology and and the things that they've done. But the idea is, if they can make you feel guilty for the things that they've done to you, they own you because. The correct response shouldn't be guilt. It should be anger, rage, indignation, right? But if they can sort of pull you over the line onto their side and make you feel like you're complicit in what's been done to you, you're much less likely to, you know, grab a knife and stab them, right? You're not, you're less likely to fight back mm-hmm. because you're splitting the blame between them and yourself. Like right? what guilt? Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's exactly right. They do the same thing with police interrogation. You know, they try and get the person to get them into a shameful response because then they can read into that, that, yes, they are guilty of committing the crime because they're feeling shame. And another thing that I think of is like a psych war because it's a psych war against the people. And um, didn't the um, Moabites, there was a... um, Gainsane of core. Now, I can't remember which one it was, but there was a king who tried to trick the Israelites into um, adultery with Moabite women so that God would be angry with them, so then they're to blame. So you, you, it's like that guilt thing where you trick um, Israel into sinning, then they, they, they have no hope, they're cut off from their hope. That's part of the psych war too. It's like an ancient version of the psych war. Was that Balaam? Balaam, yeah. Who the, yeah. Uh, into, like, they got drunk and then they like fornicated with Moabite women, and they knew that that would make God angry with them, and so then you know what hope do they have after that? They're demoralized. Wasn't Phineas the resolution to that one? I'm sorry, Joe. I don't mean to talk over you. Yeah. He didn't talk over me. No, yeah, he was. The law of God was the resolution, I guess. But it was like um, an ancient version of the psych war or demoralization. But Joe, so you can see these patterns. But Joe, why can't we just be friends with the pagans and have them on our side? You know, they can bang the Jews or whatever, and that's cool. We won't do that, though. We don't, don't need God. God. We don't need God. Yeah, right. I wanted to say, just uh, for the sake of what was asked, um, just like God can make something out of nothing, I'm not saying we're a God, don't get me wrong, but uh, even in this hopeless situation that we're all in, and even if our family members do take that, to, to just uh, add something to what you were asking prior, even though he's feeling guilt, um, that can be a vehicle to show him what is going on. Uh, I just mean to say it's it's not all gone, right? It, it's not good, but I would use that as a vehicle to uh, open, to try to enlighten him to other things related, right? Even though your father took that jab, doesn't mean he's gone. It's not good. But I would try to pray and uh, meditate and use that towards uh, steering him to the truth and what matters the most. Yeah, I really hope something good for him because I've talked to him a lot about things and now he's going through this thing where I, I, it's pretty obvious he can't control his drinking. Um, 
you know, and mom's even told me about just you can't control drinking anymore. And I wish I could do something. I mean, I'm, I did reach out to him and I, and I asked him about that, about, about his drinking and, it, it, and out of a place of love and concern. But I, I mean, he hasn't responded to me about it for over a week. So I, I don't really know what to do, but I, I think you're He's right. Probably it, depressed it, or something. Prayer is, yeah. At least I mean, read the Bible. <laughs> I know. Hey, if you need to read the chat. Read up. I missed what you said. The chat. Oh, okay. Joe, you'd brought up earlier about um, you know, Hitler's right-hand man, Rudolf Hess, and how he faced the call. I'd just like to share what the translation of that is. This is Rudolf Hess at Nuremberg, and he said, I had the privilege of working for many years of my life under the greatest sun my nation has brought forth in its thousand years. Even if I could, I would not wish to examine this time from my life. I'm happy to know that I have done my duty towards that I have done my duty toward my duty as a German, as a national socialist, as a loyal follower of my Führer. If I were to begin all over again, I would just as I have acted, even if I knew that in the end I should meet a fiery death at the stake. No matter what people may do, one day I shall stand before the judgment seat of God eternal. I will answer to him, and I know that he will absolve me. Absolutely. That's the judgment that counts. He also says, I I regret nothing. That's the only judgment that counts. But he says, I I regret nothing. That's why I was so proud of Michael Hill and Michael Tubbs last week. They sat in Charlottesville in court and, and didn't... And, and they stood by everything they said in the past about Jews, about niggers. They didn't disown any of it. They didn't try to make excuses for any of it. Yes, I'm a racist. Yes, I'm an anti-Semite. And, and the Jew lawyer was frothing. You could feel the anger inside of him when he was speaking. I, I thought it was great. I really did. And, and fuck those Jews. The whole alt-right. They, all of them, in one way or another, cut out, um, cowered before the Jews, disowned their words, wouldn't stand up for the things that they had said in the past, tried to dismiss it all as jokes. No, if, if you open your mouth, what what does the scripture say about the prophet Samuel? That none of his words fell to the ground. In other words, everything he said was true, and, and he meant it, and stood by it, and Yahweh supported them, so so that it it wouldn't fail. And and that's how we should all strive to be. I I would like to get back to Noah though, right? For for a moment, if y'all don't mind, Noah, you're not alone. Myself and and my wife Melissa, we spoke to her mother and her uncle. And, and Melissa begged her mother not to take this vaccine. Well, her mother went and got the vaccine. And so did her uncle. But her father didn't, fortunately. But these people are going to kill 
people that think that the media or the government are telling them the truth don't realize that they're really worshiping the media and the government and, and they cave into the pressure. So, I, I mean, I feel bad for you that your dad went and had the vaccine. You should just pray that he doesn't suffer the consequences. That, I mean, not everybody that has this vaccine is gonna get sick and die. But there are, there have been a lot of illnesses because of it. So just pray he doesn't suffer the consequences. That's all, yeah, that's I'm, all I can tell you to do. I mostly, you know, I, I thank you for that. I, I, I'm mostly concerned about the spiritual consequences of, uh, just the whole, giving in to that kind of a worldly pressure. Right, but only Yahweh could judge him for that, right? Yeah. Uh, Only Yahweh knows. He's going to judge us, and and I talked about this at length in, in my John commentary. He's going to judge us not by what we do, but for what we know and think and believe when we do it. That's why only he could judge us. And and thank may I please just for anybody who's listening now who hasn't heard it before, this whole genetic altering like you're not gonna be you're not gonna have salvation because of a vax. Uh, we need to get over that. That's bullshit. We're told all Israel is saved. God knew that this quote unquote vax was gonna be it's not going to take us out of this command, like the scripture says. I'm sorry, I just right. It can't hurt your spirit. Once you conceive, nothing can kill your spirit. And think of all the um, small children have parents have driven them to the hospital, and they're there crying, resisting, saying no, and they're basically forcibly yeah. injecting. Five years old. You know, Yahweh's going to look up. Yeah. I knew this uh, this guy at work I was talking to the other morning. He said that one of the other drivers there at the the warehouse that I work at, their boss asked him how much money he would take to get vaccinated, and he told him $400. And they gave him $400 on the spot to go get vaccinated, and that's exactly what he did. Wow. Yeah. That's bribery. Lots of places are doing that. I wouldn't take any amount of money. Neither would I. Everyone that I've talked to, they've all said, like, there's no way they're going to get vaccinated, which I think is is kind of uh, funny now because you've got normal, I say normal, normies that have been brainwashed by the media saying they won't get vaccinated, that they're going to refuse the vaccination. People who 10 years ago would have gotten all the the uh, vaccines that their doctor told them to. Yeah, I've met heaps of people who are pro-vax, but they're anti-COVID-vax. Right. <laughs> Yahweh wrote the law on our people's hearts. It's 
it's one of the it's one of the best things that we can see to take heart from. It's a it's a really big white pill if you want to use that term. I, I think I think when the government and the military did their own exercises and estimates years ago, and they were they were they were testing domestic operations. If they in the in a thing they they ran, they they believed that people who would push back against the vaccine for some kind of plague or or, or big medical emergency would be about five percent of the population, and that's that's the number that they've been using that they assumed. It's it's been more about fifty. It's been about it's been it's been about ten times what they thought it would be, so I I thank you for that. That's that's his hand in that. Yep. Christ wasn't vaccinated. <laughs> yeah, well, there's like proverbs that say something like ten thousand will fall on your right side, whatever on your left side, but you will stand in the plague if you trust in God. Something like that. I posted it the other day. There's a verse about trusting in God in the midst of a plague. So if you actually believe in God, you would trust in God, not in a vaccine you don't need. And the vaccine, I believe, is um, against the dietary law, so I'm not taking it no matter what. Yeah, those idiots would rather believe some fake fake science and trust yeah. in some fake science than over Christ. And the when you make the argument that, that Christ wasn't vaccinated, that pisses them off because it makes them look like a fool, because they are a fool. And then they still get sick. And they still get sick. <laughs> and they still get sick. And it's, that's because the science is all all hypocritical and contradictory, and it doesn't yeah. even make sense. Oh, yeah. So why would you trust in that? You know, yeah. God's never hypocritical, and he always makes sense. Yeah. I don't even believe in their little magic spell there. That it's doing whatever they say it does. Do you think it's possible it could change your genetics or something? But I don't know. I'm just not taking it. It's some kind of witchcraft, I I think. What's I just think it's a bunch of poison and heavy metals. Mm-hmm. Well, what I said, what, yeah, what I said know, is, um, in my podcast on the vaccine a few months ago, what I did say was that it is possible that it could damage your sperm. Because men continue throughout their lives that to constantly create sperm. Where women, when they're born, all of their eggs are already born with them. They're already formed. Correct. Correct. Something, also, also something else that's suspicious is that they're giving the vaccines off for free. Yeah. So yeah you know, there was somebody posted a meme. Somebody posted a meme in, in the Christagenia chat today that I thought was funny as hell. That this fat woman, she was like Ed Witt size. She was like 450 pounds. Got four, got the vaccine 43 times because some place was giving away free vaccines and a sausage if you got vaccinated. So she wanted sausage. <laughs> and, and she got vaccinated 43 times so that she could get 43 sausages. <laughs> Oh my I got Ed Witt doing something like that, too. Yeah. I got in touch with, with Mike Delaney. It, it, it would have been great to talk to him here tonight, but he he had um his kids started getting rowdy. He has like seven or eight kids now. I don't know. I lost track. <laughs> Speaking of children, Doom, you got a nice family there. Made? Speaking of children, Doom, you got a nice family there. We can see you, but we can't hear you. <laughs> Thank you. How you doing? 
Can you hear me now? Hi, yes, sir. How are you? Yeah. Yeah, sorry. There's a, a couple times I was going to jump on here, but they were. And... <laughs> That's how it goes. Yeah. That's how it goes. They're precious, though. Good to be yeah, a dad. Yeah, they They're great. They just drive you nuts sometimes. <laughs> Has anybody been tracking the Kyle Rittenhouse case? Has the fact that the two greatest self-defense trials of the the century so far were both spicks with German names? Has anybody caught that? <laughs> George Zimmerman, Kyle Rittenhouse, come on. It, 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 it. It seems as though the Republicans, like a broken clock, were in fact still right twice a day because the Mexicans are doing the jobs that whites don't want to do. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> That's a good way to look at it. That's actually funny, but isn't that ironic? I, um, yeah, I spent all night last night staying up watching a lot of it, and um, they're going into things like, uh, oh, because he pointed his gun, that was provocation. Well, no, that's a necessary part of self-defense. Um, and it's obviously responding to something that's already been done to him. He fired four shots, Kyle, but that's after a shot was fired by one of the other people first. Um, yeah, and then they tried to bring up, well, oh, you know, like, was a reckless use of a weapon. He recklessly self-defended himself, and the defense was like, "Well, how can you do that? I mean, it's a deliberate, you know, action." He's not denying that he deliberately shot him in self-defense. So how can you do that recklessly? It's a few other points. There's a 12-minute-long video of the judge yelling at the prosecution, uh, which is pretty funny. If, if none of you have seen it, uh, the prosecution is a is a Jewish lawyer who who started infringing on uh, on Rittenhouse's rights during the during the cross examination, and the judge absolutely lost it. He he got about as mad as a judge is allowed to get at at, at somebody in the court in the courtroom. He, it was pretty funny. Yeah, but what the what I, I heard he the was a Jewish did. lawyer, but I knew he was snaky. Is it true that the defense motioned for mistrial today? Because I think that's a terrible thing for them to have done. It seemed like everything was going their way. Um, there's two kinds of mistrial. There's a mistrial and a mistrial with prejudice. Right, uh, a mistrial with prejudice would, of course, a, be great. I understand. I, I don't know what they've motioned for today. I haven't. I, I am not that up to date. I know that the defense said that if the prosecution continued to to harass Kyle, that they would submit a motion for, for mistrial with prejudice. And I know, and I know both the judge and the defense accused the prosecution of trying to force a mistrial by tainting the jury, which he did do. Uh, he did. He did essentially just give up on trying to do a legitimate prosecution and tried to, to poison the the proceedings. But I don't know if they've motioned for a mistrial. Uh, I also don't think that's a very good idea. But I'd, I'd have to double check. I'm sorry. Yeah, but there's a definitive decision made on that. Um, but just it right. basically gave such a strong warning that if he does it again, then 
I think the judge said he would be forced to consider a mistrial. Well, uh, yeah, and uh, the defense said that they would call for a mistrial if he did it again. Yeah. So they're on thin ice, pretty much. I thought it was almost fun. The, the prosecutor was like, Kyle, like, so you wanted to kill the guy? And he's like, no, I didn't want to kill him. I wanted to stop him. He keeps drilling this question, like, but you pointed a gun at him, you shot him, you wanted to kill him. And Kyle has to explain basic self-defense. Say, no, basic self-defense is you try to stop the threat. If you've been to any kind of, like, gun safety or uh, concealed carry class, the point is not to kill anybody. That's a traumatic thing to just kill somebody. But his Kyle, at 18 years old, has to explain to him, no, I'm trying to stop the threat. They, they really tried to hammer that, like, over and over. They said, well, there, there was clear intent, you know. Uh, yeah. Okay. Know, okay, I'm reading. He, he admitted that he didn't want to kill anybody. I'm reading a New York Times article right now, and it does say that Rittenhouse's lawyer suggested that prosecutors may have acted in bad faith, making it necessary not only to declare a mistrial, but also to do so with prejudice. So they did ask for a mistrial with prejudice. Whether they're going to get it is another story. And boy, if they do, all hell is going to break loose. So what are you saying, Daniel? They're trying to redefine reframe self-defense as like a provocation or something? Yeah, so, okay. Exactly. He shot someone and they try and argue that, well, it's clear that you've admitted that you didn't want to kill anyone, yet you shot someone. But why would you shoot someone if you didn't want to kill someone? Like, they're trying to make a big deal of that. And it's kind of like, he shot someone not to kill someone in self-defense. And they're trying to to get him to admit that, oh, he shot them with the intention to kill them. There's been a push on the left. Like, well, if he wanted to shoot them not to kill them, he should have aimed in the arm. And it's like, well, it doesn't matter where you aim, it's the intent that you're defending yourself, regardless of what happens to the other person. No, you should just follow what Joe Biden says and shoot him in the knees. There's been a push on <laughs> the left. Yeah. Well, Joe Biden says now. you should walk out onto the porch and shoot a fire and <sighs> shoot the shotguns in the air, you know? Or some kind of magical, like, slime that you could just shoot at somebody that stops them without hurting them at all. Like a big, a big airbag that just encapsulates somebody. Right. You yeah, should never do right. anything but call the police. All you have to do is call the police, and they'll come and help you. And that's the way it works. Let me try this again. Let me try this again. Let me try this again. Thank you. There's been a push on the left for years now to eliminate all of your ability to you to defend yourself, and. I, I talked about this on a podcast, I think, last year with Michael Hill, and, and I quoted citations that they just want you to be insured. So as long as you have insurance, then you don't have to defend yourself because when the nigger steals your shit, you just file an insurance claim. And that's a sort of backdoor way to communism because then the nigger gets your shit and you get your new shit and everybody has shit, so it's communism. So you're going to go up and up and up and up and up, but you won't be able to defend yourself. And and the, the leftists are really pushing. They really have that mentality. That's the way they think. They're all sick. Because they think that 
stuff Man, should I, be I free. Imagine. Yeah, I think it was Portland or Seattle or someone. They had a law, some local law that if someone breaks into your house with a weapon, you cut out. Has, so if he has a knife, I'm sorry, I'm in a bad area. I keep getting kicked off. Matter of fact. Well, you're right that there's lawmakers, lawmakers, right? Mexican representatives in, in the Congress in Texas, in, in their House of Representatives or whatever the hell they got. I've, I've cited or quoted that have aimed to get those same laws that they want to do away with the castle domain idea and Institute the same laws where if somebody tries to take anything from you by force and you don't just give it to them, then you're doing wrong. Then you're the one that, that's going to go to jail. If, if that ever comes, if, if that ever comes into fruition in this country, niggers are going to go wild. They're just going to go wild. They're going to take all your shit. Yeah. That they're going to take all of everybody's stuff. Presidents for this. It's incredible yeah. the way they oh, think. They have that no fear. They, the other races, the non-whites, they, they no want communism. Of the future consequences or anything. All non-whites in history want communism. They want it. Uh, you know, think. I think I, I on a, a basic on like a basic level I agree with you on it, but I, as far as uh, defending my stuff uh, with force, I mean I'd rather just give up. I'd let someone burn my. This sounds I'm not a communist, but I don't want to risk my own life to defend my stuff because I can replace the stuff. But that's just like stuff that I've learned from defense training and all that. I'd rather just get out, save my own life. Then, uh, then get into a scuffle about uh, the money or a wallet or a phone or or whatever. But I agree with you on that. That there should be a law. I mean, you should be able to defend your 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 stuff. That's kind of a. Uh, but I don't know how many states allow you to do that anymore. Wisconsin, you cannot. Which is the Kyle Rittenhouse case. You, you know, they're trying to they're trying to pin him that he was going to shoot and take someone's life for burning a car. But Wisconsin, you can't that you can't defend stuff with violent force. As so. a Texan and a showdown in Aikido, blah blah. <laughs> I am not going <laughs> to belly up and roll over and pistol myself like a conquer spaniel and let someone <laughs> walk over me and take my <laughs> shit. I will fight to the death. And Cocker Spam doesn't do that. I know Texas is different. I understand that uh, to a small degree, that will work out to the better end, right? But the main point is you capitulate to that degree, what they want is the next step. So if you capitulate, that's what they do. Every generation, they scrape out a little bit more and or every every generation, right? So it it does come uh, come down to a point, right? 
And what comes down to your own personal property in your own home, that's when you really do have to not capitulate, right? So you, you can give up a little bit here and there to, to be strategic. You know, I, I think I kind of got a little bit of what you're saying, you know, to be strategic kind of a thing. But when it comes down to it, uh, you have to draw the line somewhere. And sure. that line is pretty, that line is pretty dead set, right? So I'm not going to line at any impropriety or criminality. That's it. Right. It yeah, no, it might be. And it will, it will be met with deadly force. I'd rather be a dead man than an old whore. If you don't stand your ground. Right. And you know what's funny? It's one of those, uh, Oh, golly, I can't think of the song now, of course, but one of the songs on the uh, podcast, ah, I can't help it, but in the music video, that, that old timer is sitting there with his gun, like, come take it, come take it, kind of a thing. I'm not uh, necessarily trying to promote anything, but it does come down to a line, and uh, there are certain things within your own personal home, right, and uh, that was my whole point. Uh, you do have to plot, excuse me, draw the line somewhere. And uh, well, never mind. for me Life personally, it's not about defending my stuff. For for me personally, it's not about defending stuff. I don't give a shit about my stuff. I have I have like a mug. I got some clothes. I have I have, I have socks. I don't I don't really care about my stuff. What about your but computer? If you try, but it, but it, yeah, and my computer too. But if you try and take my stuff, that means you think you have the right to take something from me or anybody who lives around me. Robbing me is saying you think you could rob the little old lady who lives next door to me. Buddy, I'll fucking kill you. It's it's yeah. not about the shit. It's about yeah, the implication yeah. behind it. sending a message. Exactly. Good point, Dad. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, if you don't st- stand a- your ground, you're just inciting others to do the same damn thing. They may take your stuff tonight. What about tomorrow, next week? You know, if yeah, they can what, take what, your material what possessions. What, what are they going to do to you, your wife, well, your children? That, that's a so lot. That, that's a lesson. Their eyes, we're, we're, we're just happiness as well. No, well, that's a lesson that I learned as a young man. It, if you let a nigger take your candy bar, tomorrow he's going to take your lunch money and. In three or four days, he's going to demand your ass. And it works yep. every time with them. It works in prison that they, that they could take your food, then they think they could take your butt. And, and that's the way it works. That's the cold reality of the way they think. And, and you can't draw a line with them. If, if you draw a line, they're going to feel like you're robbing them because you drew a line. Something, to the only way to hold that line is the threat of force. And they have, and they've taken our, they've taken us women too. They've taken white women and white men. Let it happen every day. Yep. Pitiful. Well, uh, what happened to that guy who defended himself and shot that fucking ape? Kyle. No, no, the guy who this, this Negro is out there posting videos online about oh, the how... Oh, the was partying when he got out. The day he yeah. got out of court and went to a party and boasted about it. No, 
No, no, no. This, what, did he live or die? I don't remember. If the black guy died. But he, this white guy is with his girlfriend, and this ape just comes up and is trying to say, you know, oh, be my girlfriend or whatever. I don't know. And then, then, you know, they're like, get away. And then he starts fighting the boyfriend and he shoots him. And then he got arrested. Well, you know, I'm not, I actually agree with you guys on a lot of things. I just, this this crazy world we live in with all the legal stuff, um, if you are getting into some self, if you are interested in self-defense, I'd definitely recommend some uh, self-defense, oh, what do they call it? Uh, it's not insurance, but it's a self-defense type of policy. US, USCCA, the U.S. Uh, Concealed Carry Association, it's about 30 bucks a month, and then they kick in, they cover all your, um, if you do get an incident, they cover all your legal fees and stuff so you can uh, actually defend yourself. Because even if you're obviously, if you if you were obviously the the innocent party, justified self defense, they're still gonna get they're still gonna try to run into the ground. So um, there's kind of that. Come after you in civil court after that. Exactly. Well, so you need, actually, you need. I think they give you like a million bucks for legal help, and they give you uh, counseling because. It, as much as we talk tough, when something does happen, it's like it puts you, it puts your your mind through a, through a crazy time if you had to uh, defend yourself with uh, with deadly force. So oh, good on you because uh, that, I remember all that. Before. I'm I'm sorry if I'm talking over anybody, but I remember that conceal and carry course. Uh, gun insurance from them. Yeah, it's like a UASCCA or something like that. And they specialize in uh, self-defense courses. Yeah, pretty small cost to pay if you ever have to you know, if you unfortunately have to end up in a spot where you have to do something. Well, within the B system... Uh, you don't have to comply with the beast, but it's nice to see the beast again. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, sometimes I wish we lived in Braveheart where we could just, you know, raise our swords and, and charge into the battlefield. But we live in this weird, you know, legal thing. That they, they'll run you through every inconvenience they can. Well, it might come to that soon. That's how the Jew does war, because the Jew is a coward, and it's a weakling, so it can't do yep. war like what we do war. And that's where, it, the, yeah. that's where the whole adage of the uh, Jewish lawmaker came from, the lawyer and all that bullshit, when the real law, lawmaker was Yahweh, and the lawkeepers were Israelites. Yeah, imagine if we settled disputes with with the battle. I mean, the, the look, think of our enemy. It's all the antifas and lawyers and Jews. Well, Dueling used to be legal. If if I may, you know, it it, it was in Paul's time. It was before him. We uh, we've seen it in the French, quote unquote, mind 
revolution. I hate using the term revolution, like in his uh, orchestration. Talks. Just call it orchestration. Right. Yeah. Good call. Good call. But uh, same thing. It's a. Uh, it's it's not a revolution. It's uh, working against the law. What we know. What's written on our hearts. Well, probably soon we're not going to have anything left to lose. So we're not going to have any fear of their courts, their lawyers, their jails, prisons. Well, if Kyle if Kyle Rittenhouse loses this case when the precedent is set that that doesn't qualify as self defense, if you if you ever get robbed or mugged or attacked, there's not going to be any reason left to not just mag dump the crowd at that point. You might as well. Yep. Every time, every time a federal court case is made, it's setting the standard for the future. And honestly, I I don't really hate to say it. I mean, we all know it, but we all know it's got to get worse before it gets better. So the worse it gets, that's the next step towards how it's going to fucking be. Excuse me. My language, but we all know that's how it's going to be. It's got to work. Get, got to get worse before it gets better. And if Kyle wins his case, his victory will be followed by massive chimpounds all over the country, and that may lead to another situation of self-defense, where the Jews will probably get the better judge, and they'll try the thing again. I yeah, wonder. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's the yeah. message they're sending. BLM and Tifa, they can burn down cities, murder innocent people, and you can't do shit about it. That that's their message they're sending. It's 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 a bit more on, on a topic that was being discussed earlier, but I just wanted to, to mention this uh, before the, the the program ends, before the conference is called, because I know it's getting a little late for a lot of people. But I, I had a conversation with somebody the other day. We were y'all were talking about hypocrisy earlier on the on the on the program. I had a conversation with a guy the other day where he didn't understand why all of these punk artists and rebel culture celebrities and counterculture people are now saying, you know, shut up, wear your mask, get vaccinated and that sort of thing. And he didn't understand why they would support, you know, the man or the power when they've spent all their lives attacking it and criticizing it and saying, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Right. And I I, I try to explain to him that it's it's not really hypocrisy. These these people these 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 communists these Jews these rock stars these these punk rockers they're only anti-establishment when the establishment was white Christian men. Now that they have the power, you're supposed to shut up and do what you're told, or we'll send the cops to your door to to beat you up. Right? That's the idea of it. They have the power yeah, now. So you're supposed to obey. We're the new counterculture. We're the new rebels, the new nonconformists. That's that's true. But what, what I'm what I'm getting at is they were never really anti-authority, just anti-white authority. They were never. Right. I, I, think, I think Bill mentioned having this argument with his, that Jew on Twitter, the guy who claimed to be totally free speech. They, they were never totally free speech. They're just pro their own speech. A free speech absolutist just means I hate your whiteness and your Christianity. And you can't be outraged if I put a cross in a jar and take a shit on it and then put it out in public as a work of art. That's that's all that really means. Try it with a menorah, and you'll see you'll see how far his love of free free speech goes. Right. 
Like it was never, this was always, this was always intended to simply destroy the system that we had in place. They, they never stood for any kind of principle. That was always just a lie. That was never real. That was a lie. Yeah. Well, may I, uh, just add something? Uh, I don't know if it's, sure. I don't know if it's inappropriate to, uh, say what, uh, I mean, Fink has said, but, um, uh, Hosea chapter 12 or 5 I did know thee in the wilderness in the landry drought according to their pasture so were they filled they were filled and their heart was exalted therefore they have forgotten me in good times we easily forget about our God in good times we seek profligacy and wantonness in hard times or in times of crisis, only then do we see calls for prayer and repentance. This is our own most common form of hypocrisy. If we had a humble and repentant attitude all the time, we would not be so readily be led off into sin or failure. All the time. It's a pattern that's happened since the Exodus. Probably before that, but we don't have records of it. Since the exodus, it's the same pattern. When are we going to get it? The cocks can only rule over us when we sin. Hitler said the cocks can only rule over a mongrel people. Right, but it's the same kind. Rule over us when we sin. It's like that when we allow them among us, they lure us into sin, and then they end up being the head and we the tail. Because we accept their sin all the time. That's a part of that big lie that we cannot comprehend or accept that exists in the world. Because it's not in our being. You also can't, like, extend the law to bastards. Because if you extend, like, free speech to bastards, that's what they'll do. They'll just abuse it to rule over us. You can't like, and you can't treat them how you should treat a brother, because then they'll come up and say you stole all the land from the Indians, and it's like get you know get lost. They're not our brothers, you know. We didn't do. There is no sin against Indians. F them, yeah. you know. Fuck them. They're not people. I'm yeah, so you can't. Yeah. But then they taught us how to farm. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to throw the in. Yeah. They, they built our whole infrastructure. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. They yeah, fertilized our Thanksgiving days with fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like if you do any good for them, you end up paying for it. Like if you invite the Abbot, the Abbos were not citizens in Australia till the seventies. They were not considered citizens. Then all of a sudden, I guess some cocks said, "You have to make the Abbos citizens." So we make them citizens, and now they're whinging and whinging and whinging about how mean we were to them and everything else. So if you do anything good for them, like invite them to share in your wealth and prosperity, you'll end up paying for it. So you can't extend the law to them. You can't extend brotherly love to them. No way. They can't be satisfied. There's no end to their lust and greed. Right. This is just a side side note on the Indian thing that, there's actually more Indians now than there were then. So this idea that they were uh, exterminated or whether genocided, 
a lot of them were bred into the mixed race kind of thing. And there's more people now with the Indian blood than back then, apparently. Yeah, most of them look white. They probably mostly look white, and they're like, "I'm an Indian," and it's like, "Well, you mostly look white," and some <laughs> some white man's going to think you really are white and marry you, and then he's going to find out that all his kids are like tainted. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, no, good call. I I have a book called "The Invented Indian." I think it's out of print now. That was uh, explained exactly what is going on. Um, yeah, it's this, uh, all of this, before we came here, it was just this, oh, just this beautiful culture that was just so advanced and smart and whatever. No, it fucking wasn't. They were at war all the time. And the biggest tribes that were around when we got here only got there because they were killing, they raping each other, all their children, scalping them and torturing them in the worst ways. And they weren't even the original ones to the area, right? That's the point. Yeah. You're not not getting it because you're racist. See, you guys are saying those things are bad, but it's kind of subjective. Like, who's to say that's any worse than what white people have built, you know? Who's to say that white civilization is any better than rape and scalping and murder? You know, who's to say? It's, well, it's subjective, isn't it? I mean, like, yeah. I know it's pretty much the same when you really when you get past your prejudices. Like, well, I love you will help. <laughs> you get no, past. I, I that's the liberal attitude. You're, you're an excellent brother, and I get it. But to be honest, who who knows whether or not Israelites or giants were in North or South America before us? You know what I mean. I don't know how the history of the world went. I mean, it goes way before us. Uh, supposedly, there were mounds discovered uh, in North and South America. I mean, I'm I, I'm very unsavvy with that. I'm very ignorant to that. But same thing, same argument, though. Oh, the the natives were here before us. Yeah, well, who was there before you, you fucking squaws? You didn't teach us how to fucking farm. That's <laughs> I know that for sure. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Right. Have you ever looked into the Salutrin theory? Yes. Yeah, I think the Salutrin uh, theory. Right, I, I think that. I I think the Salutrin theory isn't quite yeah. exactly like what they claim it is, but that's okay. Go on. It, it's not white uh, folk. It's not the, our ancestors that, that came over here. Right. Okay. Or could the dates be wrong? Like instead of Ice Age, it was uh, later. Yeah, well, if, who if knows? Were, if it was our people. Well, who knows how far and wide Nephilim or Canaanites or, or other groups may have traveled before we got here? Who knows? Right. As far as the uh, Israelites, uh, the sons of Adam, if you will, um, I, I can't say. I, I'm, I'll admit my ignorance, right? I just don't know. But uh, it is kind of interesting, like in 2 Ezra, where it says that Yahweh split uh, Behemoth or Enoch, depending on the Bible translation that you read. I don't have a strong sound that. I, I'm kind of disappointed with it, but 
separates Behemoth from Leviathan, but what is consistent is that he, it says that he kept those in existence, which directly corroborates that there were non-Yahweh creations in the world before uh, Adam was created in the Garden of Eden, right? But uh, that being said, that, that's kind of my point. Is that, uh, but that doesn't uh, add anything to like single seed line or uh, modern religious, if you will. Wasn't a Salutrians like thousands of years before Adam was created? So then when I saw that, I was like, well, they're not they're not Adamites, then, are they? Because if it's thousands of years, if, I think Adam was like 9,000, 8,000 years ago. And then it's like they'll claim, oh, we found this, this dead ape that was in Europe. These are your ancestors. And it's like, yeah, how long ago? And it's like 32,000 years. And it's like, yeah, get lost. I'm just, you know, <laughs> I don't well, believe it because it's. Well, I mean, we all know that carbon dating is, is so bunk, right? There's so many variables involved. But right. even if, like, like Fink said, Right in his Germanic origins. Just because they may be our predecessors does not mean they are our ancestors. It does not mean we came from there. Just like Europe, you know, like, I mean, it, (laughs) sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself, but even in the Americas, even if you found something that was there, who knows? I mean, the giants could have spanned the uh, creation, like I said earlier, in Ezra, when Ezra was asking about the end times, and we're obviously just on the the last bit of it, right? Um, who knows how much was before us and who was there? The giants could have been walking around like Christ said. Um, he saw the fall of Satan, and that was the creation of the Nephilim, if you will, right? I mean, it goes back very long, but even in Ezra, what I'm quoting is he goes through the days of, or the ages of creation, if you will, and then, and then Adam was added into the garden. I mean, there's a whole lot before, right? Yeah, like the pyramids and uh, Egypt, South America. Yeah, well, that's one of those, too, like, where, uh, I don't have, I wish Strong's was available to the Apocrypha. I'm sure it is, but I, I just haven't gotten there yet. I'm, I'm finishing, excuse me, finishing the Apocrypha now, but even in two Estras, it mentions Behemoth, right? Behemoth and Leviathan. And he mentions that he, uh, the six quarters of the earth, uh, with the seventh, he made water. And then, uh, uh, oh, excuse me. My point was that uh, one of those Bible translations was instead of behemoth, Enoch. And I, I know I'm kind of rambling, but the point is that he says that he separates Leviathan into the seventh part and behemoth. But one of those translations was Enoch. I forget what that means, but whatever. The point was that uh, in all of those, most of them, it says that he separates what already existed. So that points directly to the Nephilim. 
And that was before Adam was put into the garden or created, if you will. That was my point. I'm sorry. I know that was long-winded, but I'm trying to remember it as like, oh, I'm not reading it offhand. You know what I mean? What you're saying? It's Enoch. Do you mean Enosh? Uh, it's spelled E E N O C H. The one that I remember. I don't remember if it's common Bible translation. I prefer to read the uh, excuse me apocryphal off of the RSVA uh, uh, revised okay. standard edition. First, two Esdras is really two Esdras. The the work known as two Esdras is really demonstrably more than one book that was concatenated several books which were put together into one book that don't have the same authors and and second and i don't know if any of it is really dependable i mean yeah there are parts of it that i've liked and and that i've cited but it's been probably 30 years since i read it 25 years since i've read it I would have to examine it again. I would have to see the context of that passage that you're citing because behema is simply the common Hebrew term for any beast of burden. A steer, an ox, a, a horse, they're all behema. And what did Enoch mean? Well, before forget, I'm sorry, Fink, I don't mean to waste your time. Before I forget, let me sum it up because I'm just trying to admit my ignorance. I've literally been reading this in the last week or two. I have not read the Apocrypha, so I don't know. I, I just thought it was fitting with what we were talking about. The word um, Leviathan only appears four times in, in Scripture. And in Job 41 and in Psalm 74, it, it seems to just describe a large sea monster. And in Psalm 104. But in Isaiah chapter 27, I believe the words being used allegorically of a race of people associated with the Nephilim. That's what I yes. thought. That's what I was just telling Don earlier was the behemoth. He, he was saying that in Ezra's that he separated the behemoth to a quarter of the earth and the leviathan to oh. a quarter of the earth. And I, I think that's that kind of sounds like Kabbalah. <laughs> I'm being honest. That sounds like kind of like Kabbalah to me. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm probably saying it wrong admit that first and foremost, but all I was saying is that I thought that was a reference to when Christ withheld, or excuse me, saw the fall of the adversary and created the Nephilim, right? I, I, I've done it in such a roundabout way, I apologize, but that was my, that was my point, was uh, what we were talking about before. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's it's kind of hard for me because I make notes of these of this while I'm talking and I'm kind of just drawing it all back now. Yeah, another problem with two Esdras is that there's no Hebrew to it, right? It didn't survive in Hebrew. I don't even think it survived in Greek. It only survived in Latin 
and Slavonic, I think. Something. Well, if, as if far not... as I know, well, as far as I know, Esdras was the Greek or and or Latin representation of Ezra. That's yeah. where that came. The, well, yes, right. That's the word, right? Says Enoch. Enoch is from the Latin, apparently. Right. Whatever so, that means. This is this is literally off of online like Bible study tools that I've been reading the Apocrypha. So I <laughs> I apologize. I'm not saying I have any great point. I'm literally just picking out of the notes that I've made that I thought were pertinent to what we were talking about, and I. Supremely apologize if I've taken us off course. I just I thought no, you don't have to apologize. This is what we had these open forums for for discussions like this that really don't get discussed in in podcast presentations, right? Not often, anyway. No, Bill, he has to apologize. Bill, he has to apologize. The northerner. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) I don't. I don't perpetuate this regional crap. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You're living it, man. (laughs) Well, well, anyway, this. Sorry, sorry about that. (laughs) Five Ezra, four Ezra, and and six Ezra. I'm looking at Wikipedia because it's not wrong about anything. But I've read this in other more academic, scholarly works. That there's parts of. Esdras that only survived in Latin and parts that also survived in other languages. I think it's Slavonic or, or Ethiopic. I figured off the top of my head. I'm not going to read this whole article. But the final portion, which is six Ezra, I, I'm really skeptical about that. It, it's... um. I don't know. I I don't know about two Esthers. I I would have to study it. I haven't read it, like I said, in a long, long time. But it's difficult well, you when, you, when you're coming up. But when you're looking at those words and what they had meant in, in Hebrew or the nuances of those words in Hebrew, if you don't have a Hebrew copy of that text, how can you really see? Yeah, you, it, I was just saying this. I was just saying this today. I kid you not that I wish I had some sort of Strong's or some sort of numerical uh, lexicon to this apocrypha because, like, ninety percent of it is like corroborated. It's like it's like spot on, but. Uh, as far as, excuse me, let me look it up real quick. 2 Ezra 6.5 corroborates Israel being put off and brought back under the new covenant. And some things that kind of makes me wonder is where, um, I think I was reading the revised standard edition the whole time because that one was like the closest one out of all of them. But that one mentions... Uh, excuse me, I think it even uses the word Messiah, though it's not in the KJV, because I don't think the KJV has two Esdras, right? But uh, I'm not trying to make any big point, but it's just reading two Esdras, it's like, holy cow, there's Maccabees, there's uh, Wisdom of Solomon, um, all of two Esdras 4, like 30 through 39, referencing the wheat and the tares, 
and the timing at the end of the age, it's beautiful. It's, uh, I don't know, I, I'll admit to you right now, I haven't <laughs> finished reading two Ezra's. It's actually recent to me. I've read all of it. I've read all your commentaries and the Old Testament and the New, and this is the last that I have to read. But even uh, 2 Ezra 3.32, has another nation known besides Israel, reference to David and the Psalms and the law only given to Israel and Matthew 27.22? I'm sorry, I'm literally reading off the notes that I made to myself. Okay. Okay, that's I'm, fine. I'm I, I mean, maybe I'm someday sorry. I'll read it just, again. I should shut up. And, and we'll share our I thoughts. I should just shut up. I actually, I, 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 should. I actually agree with you, Eric. I, I'm in the same spot. I've been reading the, some of the apocryphal books, too. And you're right about Second Ezra. It seems to back up a lot of, you know, our CI beliefs. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not sure of the validity of it all, but... I mean, it's it's definitely a good read. Yeah, neither am I, and uh, uh, that's the only reason why I was bringing it up. There, I was talking to someone earlier today and yesterday that there's only a couple points that I really wish I had some strong notes and oh, everything. And I agree too. It would be nice to to you know have something like that too while you're reading this, but. Right. Well, just like uh, Maccabees, I think, it, or excuse me, I take that back, but the one where saying that I took care of the 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 rib, the I didn't uh, succumb to God and build up rib. I was a right. you know a chaste virgin that one, and it, it's right. um, Sorry, yeah. isn't that um actually I don't know which apocrypha that is. And that can, one's legitimate. That one's more legitimate because. Right. Well, I'm I'm so sorry. I I feel like I've taken us so far off track that I can't even capitulate on it now. But uh, the point is, what we were talking about before is just uh, it's uh, it's no surprise. And even if it isn't canonical, whether or not you want to argue that, it like Fink has said. Multiple times, it shows what they were thinking at the time that uh, corroborates the rest of the Old Testament and the New. Yeah, I wish, is. you know, I wish we had a um, concordance for some of the apocrypha too, especially Wisdom of Solomon, because reading that in English was really difficult, and I don't have a Greek copy, so I was even thinking of trying to find a Greek copy and then using, you know, like going over it with Bill's commentary and with a bible dictionary group dictionary because the translation is so bad you're reading it and then i even went back to the um geneva translation because they have a, a their own translation the kjv translation is bad and then you look at breton Sept- septuagint translation and it's exactly the same as a kjv right he just he just they just copied it over Right. So you need you need like a concordance, so you need to get the original language because the KJV does so bad on some of the apocrypha. So I had that problem too with the some apocrypha. Right, and that's that's where I left off because uh, the KJV only goes so far, and I shit you not, I might be wrong because I'll admit I'm not <laughs> kind of an idiot sometimes, but I don't think at least uh, I'll just admit. 
The last one I was using, because it seemed like it had most of them, was BibleStudyTools.com, which is pretty generic, but that's the last one I was looking What was that? I use that all the time, time, and on my phone I have bookmarks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, but that's that one, I'm using that as an example because I don't think their KJV version goes to two Ezra's, right? And that's no, what I'm saying. Not. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, so that's what I don't have the nice interlinear interface that they have. Right, that's what I mean. So like two Ezra's have been kind of lost and that's what I was saying for or since the beginning. It's, Man, I really wish I had some some study well, tools for this because I, I don't. think it yeah, I think it's explained with what Bill said where it's not even in Greek or uh Hebrew, it's Latin and something else. Right, well, it's off of the Vulgate, and if we're lucky, the Septuagint. But I have a feeling that the thing probably has a lot to say on it, uh, so we should probably give him his own floor. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm skeptical of a lot of two Esdras. I, I mean, I like parts of it. I would have to study the work again. Me too. Before I made a, a comment on it. It's been 25 years since I've read it. I remember a lot of it, but it's been a long time since I've read it. it it's, I never studied it critically. I, how much can you do in 20 years, right? Come on. Oh, no, it's nothing against you. And I think you've maybe used two asterisks. Maybe in the past. I know part of Maccabees with no, that, that one passage and whatnot. That one passage is right. profound. But Right, right. Um, and and it could uh, have been written. Yeah, no, I remember it could have been in, which I believe he returned to Jerusalem in four fifty seven BC. So it's plausible. Right. right. But like you said, we don't know when and where and who added and who took away, blah, blah, right? I, I don't mean to put any weight on that. If I've spoken too much, I'm sorry. I don't mean to take anything away from anybody who should have asked or said anything, but I thought it was pertinent, so thank you. I appreciate it all. I always enjoy uh, comments on canon because it can be hard to, like, just go and read something and go, oh, I don't know. Is this, is this it or is it not? Well, it's not two, like... well right. Well, with this, if, if I just spoke over someone, just tell me to shut up. But oh, well, I was just going to add, I don't, like, again, I, I, the validity of it, whatever. Um, that's one thing. It's definitely a good read. Um, like I said, there, there's, and, once you read it, uh, knowing our beliefs, you know, you would see why, if it was, should be canon, why it's not, why they would want it out of the Bible. Oh, absolutely. I can understand that. I, I, I can oh, understand that from a perspective of two Esdras and from the Wisdom of Solomon and, and possibly one or two other books. But most of the books of the so-called Apocrypha belong in the Apocrypha. And most of the pseudepigraphal books belong in a pseudepigrapha. That they don't belong in scripture. Yeah. 
Weird that they once... should be in high grade fat bill. I'm sorry, Joe? I just said wisdom definitely should be, and I agree with that, Bill. Yeah, wisdom should definitely be in Scripture. And it was in the earliest Christian Scriptures. It was in right. early that's collections kind of, of been, Christian Scripture. Right, well, that's kind of what I've been going off of. Um, just real quick, it's not a big point, but I just wanted to throw it in there, that throughout my reading of the Apocrypha from BibleStudyTools.com and also... Oh, shit, I'd have to look at my notes, I'm sorry. But the one time I actually saw the race of uh, where race was actually in plain English was, I think, the Revised Standard Edition in Ezra's. And I was like, holy shit, here we go. <laughs> like, there it is, like, plain as day. Um, but What uh, about Tobit? Tobit. Uh, what was about um, Susanna? Susanna, I think, is, is legitimate too. I don't yeah. have to check Tobit because I've forgotten what Tobit is. This has been over a couple months, so I know I've made notes off of each one. No, Susanna was huge. Like, Susanna, she went there, right? And, like, she... I guess you should just read Susanna for yourself. But it doesn't make women above men because she was just, well, I know that's not the point. No one said that, but I kind of got out of I it. believe Susanna. She, like, stuck to her weights. And I'm sorry. I believe Susanna is legitimate. And Tobit, I have a favorable opinion of. I don't know if it should be canon or not, but I have a favorable opinion of the work. Judith is as bad as Esther. It's a fairy tale. I would have guessed that just by the name, to be honest. Well, <laughs> even the additions to Esther, it's just a, a flippant joke. Like, you wipe your hind end with it, kind of a thing. I didn't even read it. So, I guess I, I can admit that I'm kind of being a hypocrite because I already knew that Esther was. BS, so I didn't even read the additions to it. So yeah. I, I'm admitting right now I, I haven't read it, so I'm kind of a hypocrite. But I, I would imagine that I'd read it and have the exact same expression. So now, Sirach, the wisdom of Sirach, I don't see it as being canon, but it does seem to reflect the opinions and wisdom of a pious man of about the beginning of the 3rd century B.C. Hello. But it, I, I, it doesn't really have any scriptural value. I'm sorry. Um, the note that I made with Serac, excuse me, I'm sorry if this doesn't pan out, but... Um, Sirach 4720 references Nehemiah 1326, uh, number 20. Thou didst stain thy honor and pollute thy seed, so that thou broughtest wrath upon the chil thy children, excuse me, and was grieved for thy folly. So like you said, Fink, it doesn't make it canon, but it, it, uh, if it's in some way, you didn't say that. I'm sorry. I'm not well, trying well to put it doesn't make it a canon, but it it's the reflections of a pious man, like I said, who would have understood the book properly. 
and and so does Tobit. Right, and and right, and may I say real quick that uh, the elect is mentioned in Sirach forty-seven, and I forget what Sirach even stands for. I'm sorry, I, I can completely admit my ignorance, but um, I'd have to study the also, term uh, the, compare, the Hebrew. Of course, we only have the Greek spelling, right? I'd have to study the Hebrew to see what its origination should have been. But we got about seven minutes, and I'm going to call it a night. I mean, y'all could stay here and talk all night, but in seven minutes, I'm shutting off the recording. We're done. So what do we have to talk about that's worth the next seven? Tick, tick, tick. Well, as far as... (laughs) Well, may I may I say, as far as uh, we learned from Solomon and David, and how many predecessors that uh, everything is vanity without God, and when things get dark, as they're always dark and bleak, that we know that the end is already solved. God solved the problems for us. In the meantime, I know it gets hard, but we should rejoice that we have hope and faith. And if you can't live for yourself, live for your brethren. Find a way to live for your brethren and God. And I love all of you brothers and sisters, and I hope that you find a way to keep carrying on through the doom and gloom that we all live with today. Because I know it's hard. I live with it too. And I love all of you. Praise God. Praise Yahweh. And thank you, Fink, for providing this vehicle for us all to communicate and learn from. Thank you very much. I love you, Fink. And I love you, Yahweh, and all of our brethren and sisters. Non Silva said Anthor. Well, thanks, Eric. We love what? y'all. I mean, that's that why mean? I do this, right? We have a community, and and every once in a while we should show our wider audience that we have a community that was serious about this. We're not just joking or, or playing with ourselves. We're serious about this. That's true. Yeah. Another thing well I think you could talk about, Bill, if you want to end off, and that was a great thing to branch off it with it too is uh, having more workers any more what co-workers having more co-workers. workers co-workers well we always want more fellow workers they can never be enough yeah everybody here should be a I sold this. that's it that's all we should strive for well thanks thanks for having me y'all Thanks, I can't believe you're still here, Jordy. You stayed right to the end. Yeah, I woke up early tonight, man. Uh, I woke up like five hours too early before I start my drive shift. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, stay safe. No, it's good to see you here. Yeah, it's good to hear from you, man. Good to see you, Jordy. Well, what about you, and, Truth? Uh, it was great Truth to see your family over. here, too, Jolly. Oh, thank you, man. We yeah. all appreciate your hard work. We we know how time-consuming and all the effort you put into it, and we're greatly appreciative of it. 
I appreciate that, but usually I don't think I work hard enough. <laughs> but that's all right. Okay. Yahweh bless everybody, and, and, and it was a joy to have you here. And y'all don't have to leave. I'm just going to cut the recording, and this is a podcast, and I want to get it posted. Praise Yahweh, and good night.